I'm trying to elevate small talk to medium talk. Hi, I'm Alex Chester, and I've, I fuck my husband four or five times a week. Very good. I'm Av Sinensky, and I'm trying to elevate small talk to medium talk. I'm Dan Bagadol, the product of a polyp festival of a uterus. Welcome back to Pretty, Pretty, Pretty Good, a Curb Your Enthusiasm podcast. We are here today to discuss season eight, episode six, The Hero, which originally aired on August 14th, 2011. Now, usually we start the episode with lines from the episode of Curb Recovering. I couldn't help myself this week. Uh, our guest, as you already heard, Dan Bagadol, who... Uh, you know, first breaks onto the scene as like a dynamo, or for me anyways, as a, as a correspondent during like the apex of the Daily Show during like the George W. Bush administration years. But like in Veep, you played the only television character that I can think of who literally has a 1000 batting average in terms of like the quotability of every single line that comes out of your mouth in the series. I mean, every word is gold. It's like, holy shit, I can't believe he just said that. Um, your repartee with Will, played by Nelson Franklin, um, who's seen a new girl and a bunch of other stuff. Unbelievable. All the way, I think, at, at the end, like the flash forward scene, like in the finale, when you're pushing around in a wheelchair and he's like, I like jizz. <laughs> so he ain't um, what he used to be. <laughs> yeah, that's what you say. Yeah, yeah. Um, so look, you, you know, you're here today uh, because of your role as the big mouth waiter on Curb. But uh, I do want to geek out and talk about Veep for a second, if that's OK. Sure. Not, of course. Yeah. So, you know, obviously we know that Curb is a show which, you know, very unusual for a for a television show uh, for where it's, you know, the script is just a couple of episodes is sort of like, you know, basic plot points to hit in each in each scene. And other than that, it's just it's a whole bunch of of improvisation. Was there were, were any of the lines on Veep improvised or was that all on the page? There, well, to be fair, most of it is scripted, but we improvised a lot. So we would improvise within the uh, format. They were fine with the improvising. Nine times out of 10, it's a long story. I'll try to keep it as podcast friendly as possible. Um, I would get a script and they'd say, you're going to Baltimore on Sunday. And I'd fly out to Baltimore. And then Monday, we do a table read. And at the table read, we read it, the whole script. And then we get up on our feet and we'd walk around and play the scene. You know, and then they'd say, okay, put the script down. You know what you need to say, just say it. And then we'd say whatever the hell we wanted to. <laughs> so for instance, like my very first episode in Veep, uh, one of the things that I improvised in rehearsal that later made it onto the script was I was super nervous because I was working with Julie Louis-Dreyfus. I had auditioned for the series and did not get on over and over and over again. It was like, I guess this isn't going to happen. And then I get this whale of a role at the very end of the season. And so I was really nervous. And I just thought, you know what? I'm just going to go for it. And if they fire me because I was too aggressive, <laughs> then I guess that's my future, you know? Yeah. And so I was sitting there and she started talking. As soon as she started talking, I went, can you give me a glass of water to Will, right? And she goes, uh, yeah, I would also like a glass of water. And then by the time hers comes, she goes, get that fucking thing out of here, right? So I will absolutely take credit for the fact that I invented that little nugget that I'm probably the only one who really remembers, but <laughs> it was improvised in the rehearsal and it gave me the comfort from there to feel free to do and say whatever felt natural. And it had been a long time since I'd felt that way 
professionally. I felt that way in Chicago on stage, but at the Daily Show, I never felt professionally comfortable. I just don't think it was a great fit for me. Um, That's but, funny you say uh, that because uh, I thought you were great on the Daily Show. Well, thanks. I I had a I had a good time when I was doing the pieces, but I don't know that I always necessarily hit the mark that John wanted to hit, and I don't know that I always was like, oh, I know what you mean. I'll do that. I was like, I know what you mean, but didn't they already do that? Shouldn't we do something else? And they were like, dude, you're trying to reinvent chocolate chip cookies. <laughs> um, you know, but we did we, then. So back to Veep, when we would do a scene, like I, I remember one when she was president in the season, when she was president, uh, spoiler alert. And um, it <laughs> yeah. was um, myself, uh, Kevin Dunn and Gary Cole in a scene together. And I think Matt Walsh might've been there too. And we got it in like two scene, two takes, we got it. And then uh, Armando Iannucci, the, the showrunner, uh, brilliant, brilliant guy. Yeah. He yeah. said, uh, well, we got that. So just go ahead and do whatever you want. And we were like, oh, okay. So me and Kevin and Gary just start destroying each other, just insulting and tearing each other to pieces for fun. And some of that made it in as well. So there was a ton of improv in the Armando Iannucci era. Once Dave Mandel took over, I think there was a little less improv, which is kind of ironic considering that Curb is almost entirely improvised. Yeah. Um, save for a, you know, a, there's there's like a three-page printout. This is what the show is. Right. Um, but yeah, we so, improvise So it sounds like Yanucci almost has like the Judd Apatow model of, you know, do it once on the page and then do after that, just, you know, fuck around and do whatever you want. Yeah, if, if I may, Judd Apatow's lucky to be doing the Armando Iannucci Okay, approach. sure. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Sorry to say. I love Judd. I think he does yeah. great stuff. Now, In the but Loop, Armando I think, was, is, my, is like my favorite, like completely underrated comedy of the last like 20 and years. If you, and if you've ever gone back and watched The Thick of It, the show that V yeah, with, yeah, yeah. kind of sp spun off of, that it's got the kind of balls and the kind of weight and integrity that we wish we could produce here in our <laughs> television shows. And I love and admire the hell out of Judd. I think he's great. Um, but I do, I would hope that he would go, Oh yeah, yeah. Armando is the man. And Judd Apatow is his uh, brother. Who's like 10 months younger than him. You know what <laughs> I mean? If that makes sense, you know, like he's just that far behind, but I think Armando is unstoppable. Yeah, who who has a dirtier mouth? Would you say is it Malcolm Tucker's character in the thick of it, or is it uh, uh, Congressman Furlong in Veep? I think I, I think uh, uh, Furlong because you know Capaldi in um, Peter Capaldi in in the thick of it is really filthy too, uh, and I he's the one who plays Tucker in the in Malcolm in Tucker. The loop. Yeah, yeah, but he's more terrifying than he is yeah foul. no that's true yeah you know he's what very i mean scary. like there's yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's a scene in the thick of it where you think he's gonna hurt somebody yeah and you don't really get that feeling with furlong once the once <laughs> right. the, you know once he's out of the closet with his insults you go oh this is just he's just has a good time winding people up yeah i mean i think will might be emotionally uh injured but <laughs> oh for sure my god there was the one where he's sitting outside she was still vice president he's sitting outside the office and he chimes in with something and i turn around and i go shut up and and i say something about his vagina you know and and i remember julia going i think can we stop i think this might be too much you know and i was like this is too much and Nelson, God love him. He was fantastic, dude. Yeah. He, you know, he was like, ah, 
I, I kind of like it. And she's like, <laughs> all right. If you don't think it's, it was something about him having a microscopic penis or something like that. I can't remember exactly, but. Um, it's funny the, that you mentioned that the time story. He take I... his wife out for dinner, remember? And um, somebody comes oh, yeah. up and says, thinks it's your wife. You think, you think I would marry that? <laughs> it's like. <laughs> that was another one. That was what, let me tell you this about Veep. And this kind of folds into Curb really nicely because this is a Mandel story. When I would do uh, the show with Armando, I'd get the script, I'd read it on the plane, I'd get to Baltimore, we'd rehearse. I mean, I had lived in this script for three days before we shot a thing in rehearsals and stuff. With Mandel, I would get the notice that you're going in on Wednesday. Tuesday night, while I'm already in bed, I would get the script. <laughs> Tuesday morning, I'd get up, there's a different version of the script. I get in my car and go down there. There's a different version of the script. I go through hair and makeup and wardrobe and all that. And I'm sitting in my trailer, looking at my sides, knock, knock, knock. Here's a different version of the script. I get on set. They're putting a wire on me, which means it's over. If you don't know it by now, you're going to have to just fly by the seat of your pants. And they walk up and hand me a different script. And this was on my very last, uh, the last season. And I got, got on stage and gave her the nomination. There was a boardroom scene where I'm like, you fucking, you're worse than a gymnast with daddy issues, you know? And they handed me that five minutes before I walked in there and I had to memorize it on the spot. So back to that dinner scene, the original version of the line was something like, Jesus, Mike, where'd you, because remember Mike McClintock was eating at another table. Where'd you get that mustache? You know, did, did you, you know, did you uh, eat a banana and let it mold on your lip? Did, is it looks like you, uh, dug up Freddie Mercury's AIDS riddled corpse and stole his mustache. Right. <laughs> but the original was something, you know, insulting, but not too bad. And he walks, Mandel walks up with a piece of paper that has like 10 options. And he goes here, pick one. And I start reading and I'm giggling to the point of tears. And he goes, which one are you giggling at? And I was like, all, all of them. Can I do all of them? He goes, no, nah, just pick one. And I said, well, then I want the Freddie Mercury because that's ridiculously horrible. Um, Anyway, and, you know, that's a perfect example of how things went with Mandel. You're improvising in a way because you don't know this line. It's kind of like on Curb where they come up and they go, all right, here's what you're doing. You see it? That's you? Okay, can I? And then I go, oh, can I hold that? No. Well, but I need to, do you need to look at it again? Go ahead, look at it. And I'm going, uh, yeah, I guess that's it. Okay, thanks, you know. Yeah, that's wild. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, you know, it's, it's different degrees of a, a similar yeah. style. Yeah, absolutely. Now, now Congress played so beautifully into the training that I had in Chicago. I worked at, at the improv Olympic, which became known as the IO and the second city where we, both of them, we used improv a lot in second city to use it more as a tool, but at IO, it was the pure art form of just make shit up for drunk, unhappy Cubs fans and try <laughs> to make them laugh. And if you can do that, man, you're in good. Right. <laughs> Um, yeah, I went to Second City a couple of times um, over the years. Yeah. Yeah, always, always a good show there. It's just like no matter who, yeah. who you get, what you get, it's like it's going to be good. They're just like get really, For really sure. talented comedians. Um, yeah, I um, I most recently recognized you. It took a while for it to click. Um, there was a movie a couple of years ago called Sword of Trust that was uh, yeah a really weird in a way, but really fun movie. Um, yeah, um, it was actually the I was looking at the cast earlier and it's like a who's who of Curb guest stars. You know, we have you, of course, we yeah. have Gillian Bell, Michaela Watkins, 
Um, I think I even saw someone else in there. I'm not seeing them now, but Marin, yeah. Mark Maron was in that yeah. movie. So we got to get Mark Maron on curb this season, maybe. Mm. Maybe. Come yeah, exactly. What are they waiting on? Yeah. Well, Av, we know that Larry you does podcasts know. now, so I can't. Yeah, Larry does podcasts now. Maybe we'll have um, like yeah. well, Mark Maron will have Larry David on and then he'll end up on the show. Yeah. I wonder if he's had Mark yet. I mean, I wonder, I wonder if Mark's had Larry yet. Uh, he should. That would be a great conversation. <laughs> yeah, that would be a good one. Crabby. It would be great. Yeah. But I love I, Marin. He was he was great to work with. And that was Lynn Shelton's last film. You know, she yeah, oh, she directed really, it. Oh wow. Yeah. Uh, an indie darling, and she did a lot of television. She directed a ton of uh, uh television too. Yeah. And a brilliant director. And that was an improvised movie. Oh wow. Got it. Yeah, it was really it was a really fun movie. It's like it takes some twists and turns that I did not think a movie of that sort was going to take so i don't want to spoil anything for anybody and uh and dan plays i would say a very uh different type of character than probably people are used to seeing you in. so i thought that was like a fun twist on your uh you know typical character so um definitely yeah. check that one out i was gonna ask dan if if congressman furlong was uh tweeting offensive things at will or something like that because it looks like uh like trump and some of these other co- uh politicians uh you've been uh, suspended from twitter <laughs> yeah you know what? I well, I'm not on. I'm just not on any social media. Oh, okay. But uh, Will's wife had a great. Uh, her name is Georgia. She had a great idea for a spinoff, which is post Veep, uh, Furlong gets me tooed, mm. and he has to go live in the regular world, but he still behaves the way he does because he's still so <laughs> entitled, and Will hangs around just out of a sense of duty. So mm. it's. It's Furlong going to the country club, trying to just live off the fumes of his career and Will tagging along while he's shooting insults at him. I thought it was a brilliant idea. Yeah, well, they do have a deep love because as we see in the flash forward, you know, you're pushing him oh, yeah. around in a wheelchair 40 years later. So yeah. it's a little codependent, I think. It's uh, not always Will the punch. Oh, I, I, no, it's yeah. fantastic. I love that move. When they told me that's what I, I was like, I'm coming back. Do I have any lines? And they're like, well, we don't know if you're speaking or not, but here's the idea. And I said, Oh my, I'm in some of the best pictures I ever got on set. Yeah. That makeup was pretty cool for everyone in the cast. Yeah. They did a great job. Yep. All right. So uh, let, let's jump into curb. Uh, we're here to yeah, talk Dan, about I, the hero. I, yeah. I know the feeling, Dan, by the way, I was permanently banned from Venmo. So the policies <laughs> are very unfair. Really? Um, yeah. Well, maybe you shouldn't have been sending How does money, that even happen? Sending money to all the insurrectionists on January 6th. Honestly, I was going to say, honestly, did you yeah. say, I have I honestly have no idea. I got an email one day saying that I'm banned. I emailed them and said, hey, could you why? What happened? What did I do? I'm sure this is a misunderstanding. They said, sorry, our policy is we don't tell you why you're being banned. So I accuse them of being Orwellian because that's what you do when you when someone uh, that is like, fucking Orwellian. Yeah. Like they're like, I'm sorry, it's our, it's our, but we can't tell you. I'm like, there's like there's that's no way I'm unacceptable. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I'm off Venmo. So, you know, if you need money, I could only send it to you through PayPal, quick pay. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. so I'm like my life has been you know <laughs> i'm being silenced yeah um yeah <laughs> i'm being financially silenced. right that's right yeah they're putting me out of business because i can't use venmo anymore so anyway yeah let's go on to the episode i guess um that's right all on. i have to say about that So we're uh, we're still on the airplane where we ended the last episode, and uh, Larry still has his Pinkberry. Good continuity. 
Um, and a uh, blonde woman comes onto the plane, sets sex to Larry. He offers her some pink berries. She's like, no, thank you, strange old man offering me pink berries. No, thanks. <laughs> um, and uh, Larry and Jeff kind of give each other like a smile and a thumbs up because they're like, hey, that woman, she's pretty attractive. Like, you know, let's see what's going to happen here. Mm-hmm. Um, first of all, it's like, yeah, like as if like, like realistically, they're like, like yeah, like Larry's going to pick up this like much younger, much more attractive woman like she doesn't know who larry david is like yeah you know they're just like like larry's just like yeah i could get whoever i want now it's right it's working for him so i don't blame him but like well, it he's really got half a billion dollars that helps yeah, yeah that helps like in the long run yeah i think it helps in the yeah, short once run. she finds that out yeah. i think right. it helps he says did you ever see out, the side show as he likes to say <laughs> Right, but right. when he's That's just the- sitting there with Pinkberry, the grossest of all the frozen yogurts, mm-hmm. offering it to her, that she doesn't know who the hell he is. He's just some old dude with yeah. Yeah. creepy yogurt. Yeah, and it as a weird as- move. And as we've discussed in this world where there's no curb your enthusiasm, when Larry David claims to some like random person, oh, I created Seinfeld, they say, no, you didn't. Fuck you. Jerry Seinfeld created Seinfeld. Yeah. Everyone knows that. <laughs> it's called Seinfeld. And he was the guy. Yep. Um, so like if you, cre- if you created Seinfeld, why have you done nothing for the last 20 years? <laughs> right, exactly. Um, why don't I know who you are if you created yeah. Seinfeld? Um, oh, so remember yeah. I was in the producers for one uh, for one performance. <laughs> right, right. Well, he's going to New York, so the odds are yeah. higher. I was in a Scorsese movie with a mustache. <laughs> right. Yes. Um, okay. So um, yeah, so she uh, you know, we fast forward a little bit, they're sitting next to each other on the plane and uh, she puts her drink like a little bit, not really too far on the armrest, just like on the armrest at a perfectly reasonable place. And he pushes it back and says that he is encroaching his space and she has to be assessed the penalty. He mm-hmm. then says something like passenger penalty, which I did not understand what that meant. Did, he, did either of you know what he's talking about? Encroachment. Yeah, so he's making the football reference. Yeah. But yeah, like, what yeah. does passage mean? Is that what he says that next? He says like he says penalty that he says like he like says like offers to her passenger penalty. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah, I think what he meant to say is, yeah, do you want to take the penalty? or Do you want to decline and take the yards from your successful right. pass? But yeah, right. Larry sort of, uh, m- 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 you know, yes. muddles it a little bit. So he was and, trying to do yeah. a football joke. It didn't quite come out right. Yeah. Okay. Can I can I say something there? I don't yeah. know. You know, I mean, I don't want to interrupt you guys, but no, no interrupt I have to say Wait, that interrupt in that in that moment. I absolutely was on team Larry. I was like, you keep your fucking drink on your <laughs> side of the fucking art. This is not hard people. This is my friend, Jim Jeffries has a great bit about airplane etiquette. And it's true. Look, man, I paid my fucking exorbitant amount of money for my seat. You paid for years. Keep your shit on your side. If your drink is over on my side, now I can't put my fucking drink down. Oh, your drink's more important than my drink. So I was, fully team Larry. And my wife was watching it with me when I rewatched it. And she went, Oh, that is, that is totally you. And I said, yeah, you're <laughs> fucking right. It is that my garbage can goes in front of my house, not in front of your house. So dad, let me ask you, what is your opinion on the much debated um, reclining the seat versus not reclining the seat debates in terms of uh, what, is, what is the they, automatic they amount? Fucking, that they recline. So everyone's, I everyone's allowed this, to recline. I, rec- and, I recline and if a person behind, the way the person, that it reclines. Okay, fair enough. I I, I, I don't make it that. recline more than it is allowed to. Well, that, that would be you know? amazing if yeah. you could do and that. The, exactly. <laughs> and I say if someone could rig the seat somehow to recline. to recline extra, but on him. Yeah. To In me, fact, the... I remember once flying out to Baltimore again for Veep, 
and watching a woman across the aisle from me take her tray. It was one of these ones where the tray came up out of the armrest and then you could swivel it forward. She took it out and swiveled it forward against the seat back in front of her and held it for four hours. So the guy couldn't lean his seat back. And I thought, what a win for her. Fucking, <laughs> yeah. What a crazy bitch is what I thought. Oh. And I also thought like, if that was me, I'd be standing up going, excuse me, can you move your tray? And then I'd be talking to the flight attendant and then I'd probably be on some no fly list. <laughs> I mean, you almost have to respect the level of crazy, though, to like the commitment for four hours to, to make yourself miserable just to spite someone else. And, and no kidding like this, <laughs> like holding it and straining and pushing. I'm on yeah. Hertz's uh, oh. do not do not rent list. So another thing we would have in common. <laughs> Holy shit, man. Yeah, Zell, I, got, I mean, uh, Venmo and Hertz. What's yeah, left? right. Yeah, right. After, you know, one more thing. And then they're going to start saying that it's not it's not them. It's me. Yeah. Um, Wait, are you actually yeah, so bad from Hertz true. also? Yeah, I'm bad from Hertz. Completely not my fault. You sound like a guy on death row. <laughs> yeah, I did it. I really did it. But it wasn't me. I think yeah. I've, I think I've even told this story on this podcast, but I've got a rental car for like when I had an accident. And then I return when you know, when you do that, you return it to like the mechanic. You don't you have to, you don't have to bring it back to Hertz. And like they, cause they like have an arrangement with them. And so I returned the car when they, my car got fixed, like a month later, I get a call from her. It's like, Hey, we just want to know, like, you know, you, you were supposed to return the car 30 days ago. Where's the car? <laughs> like, what do you mean? I returned the car 30 days ago. They Why'd like, they wait me. 30 days to call? I don't know. They, they call me. This goes on for like three months. Like, like, we can't find the car. We can't find the car. I'm like, well, I returned the car. I don't have your car. Eventually wow. they finally realized it was like sitting on some lot somewhere. And like, it just like never got stand back in into the system. They're like, we're so sorry. We apologize the whole thing. But obviously they didn't give me anything. They're just like, yeah, you don't owe us $20,000. <laughs> Thank you. Um, and then like a year later, I like went to like, I got like a Hertz rental car somewhere, I think in LA and I go to pick up the car. They're like, sorry, we can't rent you a car. I'm like, I'm like what? They're like, you're on the do not rent list. I'm like, I bet I know what this is about. And like, I call up and they're like, yeah, like there's like a, there's like a parking ticket on the car that you rented. Like, let's see. I'm like, I didn't have the car. Like we've established it. So like, well, I don't know. You're going to have to call. So I'm like, whatever. I'm not dealing with this. I just sell my, I just, you know, when I go on orbits or kayak, I just have to like check the box that says like, not Unbelievable. there's like 40 other car companies. It's fine. <laughs> it's just like an annoying thing to have to remember every time I rent a car that like, I have to remember, I can't get, I can't drive a Hertz car. Yeah. They have to send the bookman of a, of um you know uh rental car yeah. companies after you even though the whole rental car thing is so stupid it's like all it's all the same company they share the cars like yeah it's like so it's yeah. like i don't know why you tell you something companies. joy boy yeah. <laughs> um to me the worst part Laugh of, of funny boy uh, you know having to share with strangers on the airplane is when you and the person next to you you both sort of are like like the passive aggressive not going to say a word i'm from minnesota so it's minnesota nice you just you know passive aggressive you don't you don't you're not outwardly aggressive you're both sort of trying to like get your elbow on that armrest but it doesn't really fit two people. Oh, one's in the front, one's in the back. I got the answer. The guy goes up to the, the bathroom, this is, take the whole thing over. This is Jim Jeffries had a huge act on this, and we did it in Legit, the, the show I did on FX with him. And it is, if you're on the window, you have a fucking window and a yeah, wall. I've heard him say And an armrest. You got all this shit, right? And if you're on the aisle, you've got an armrest and all this extra leg space. The fucking guy in the middle gets two armrests. That's he gets the rule. Both. Yeah. That's how it goes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, of course, because otherwise he's got nothing but your farts on either side. <laughs> yeah, middle is rough. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I, I always. I, that's just the way he said. And I always am like, I'm always like, excuse me to anyone that's next to me. I'll be like, nope, I'm in the middle <laughs> seat. You got leg room. I'm good. You know, 
most of the time it's okay, but I haven't flown in two years. So maybe that'd be different now. Maybe I get punched yeah. in the face in the mask. I mean, yeah, you, you, you don't, you don't want to have those middles during COVID, especially you got people coughing on both sides. No. Of you. Yeah. We just, we just booked <laughs> yeah. flights and I, I picked um, aisle and window of a three rower. Yeah. Um, it's my and then, like, yeah, you hope that like no one picks in between. Cause like people rather not be there. And then worst case you like the lowest switch with you. So yeah. Like, but, but I think I've told the story yep. on some podcasts. I always do that for the same reason. And then, yeah, worst case, somebody takes taxi, you just swap with them. And then, you know, you sit next. I was flying with a friend of or, mine or, or even better. They insist on being in the middle. And yeah, get no, I was <laughs> I was flying with with a friend of mine and, and during my law school, like winter break. We were and and we were flying to Vegas together. And there was this weird old man sitting between us and he gets on. I'm like, oh, you know, we're actually friends so we can switch. And you can have the aisle. He's like, no, that's OK. And we're like, what? And so he proceeded to sit in between us for four hours. We were like playing like blackjack across, like with each other, like across him. And it was like the it was the most it was almost more psych- sociopathic than the woman with the thing for four hours, because like at least her, like I see what her motivation is. Like, I don't even know what this guy's motivation was. He just wanted two people to like talk over him for four hours. Maybe he was lonely. I don't know. Um, but that's a strange. Hey, you know, I was thinking about my curb story here. Uh, I auditioned for I don't know if it's the episode before the hero but it was the one where Larry's flying out there and sitting next to the guy in the shorts. No. Yeah. That that's an earlier season, but yeah. Yeah. And yeah. He anyway, I, I auditioned for that. I got, yeah, I got, I, I auditioned for that role. And when I went into audition, Garland wasn't there. It was just Larry and you know, the producers and I didn't know Larry at all. I knew Garland. I'd met him at second city. Um, so I sit down and we start doing the thing and he's like, is that, is that you really going to, Wearing shorts, it's a nice look. And he's fucking chomping on a piece of gum in the middle of the audition. <laughs> and I go, oh yeah? You're gonna smack that fucking gum for four hours, right? <laughs> and he, ah! <laughs> Huge laugh and I go, fucking, I nailed it. I got it. I got this wrong, didn't get it. <laughs> Anything, it was, you know, whatever it was two years later when they shot this uh, season that I actually got it, but. Well, so he remembered you. He uh, had you back in the back of his head. I, I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> yeah. um, I've, uh, I've I've seen a friend of the podcast, Jared Jerome, a number of times uh, in the last few months, and I've been wearing shorts on some of those occasions. Like, he yells at me for wearing shorts because legs are disgusting. Yeah. Um, was according it, what, to Larry David, did, did you have to, you know, like uh, you got to strip down sometimes to, you know, when you're going to be naked in, in, in a film or in a TV show, did you have to show the shorts, like, you know, show the legs? Oh, yeah. Larry? For the audition, I yeah. did. I just wore shorts. I just yeah. showed up in shirt. Let, when me, you let, me, let me see that leg hair situation. distribution. Yeah. <laughs> let me see the when nice you can pasty, for an upper audition, thigh. You show up in whatever <laughs> yeah. cowboy hat or shorts they want you in. Hmm. Yeah, let me see a, an upper thigh as white and pasty as possible, please. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Right. So, Larry, so let's get back on the plane. Larry's going to yeah. go for a walk. So, yeah. So Larry will, uh, you know, go for do his first uh, his first bit of medi this episode on the uh, the nature of his new shoelaces and how, you know, they're longer than Ooh. they used to be. <laughs> um, this woman on the plane is obviously not interested in, uh, you know, his nonsense. And Larry just sees this as a challenge. He says, don't worry, I can make better small talk. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna up, I'm gonna up my uh, small talk game a little bit. Well, my flirting game, really. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. same thing, same thing for as far as he's concerned. He th- he thinks well, that he could like talk yeah. his way into anything, basically. Yeah. Um. Yeah, it really is. I think he uh, he uses that like uh, co-stanza power, right? That like. 
like eventually it's like all right this guy's a little charming even at first like the first uh, like 45 minutes of the flight. right exactly yeah, <laughs> yeah it's just like, about you know, four he, hours he like wears you out and you're like all right okay i guess i could you know i could go with this guy <laughs> Um, um, so, so ah, if, if small talk is always flirting, was he flirting with uh, Chris Parnell's character at the dinner? I don't think so. No. Yeah. <laughs> I don't um, think so either. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, yeah. So Larry gets up. He's going to use the restroom, um, but finds that the one in first class is occupied. So he heads back to coach um, when he gets uh, confronted by a woman who's like, where are you going, sir? Yeah. Uh, he explains, this, of course, the bathroom. Yeah. And he and she insists, no, sir. The coach bathroom is only for coach passengers, much like the first class bathrooms are for first class passengers, um, which, of course, is yeah, not at all how it works. Uh, you know, the, the first yeah. class has access to the entire plane. Yeah. But, but why is Larry engaging with this woman? I mean, <laughs> for comedy, but <laughs> um, it's so Davidian. It's so Larry Davidian, isn't it? Yeah. He would have been the guy saying, excuse me, you're in first yes. class. You use the first class. But absolutely. That was a Larry move. That yeah, was, I mean, and she was playing Larry in that role. Yeah, we saw a very, a very similar interaction in the bow tie with the with the man in the wheelchair fighting yeah. over possession of the, the different bathrooms. Like and like Larry. Yeah, then you wait. Right. So it's you like wait. he's he's basically saying that, like, the handicapped person is much like the first class person, that it's like they have their own designated area. And therefore, they are not permitted to use like the, you know, available to all. It's not so like which is ridiculous because like the right. bathroom is not for all oh, this bathroom is for all people except for handicapped people like that's not a thing right <laughs> um, that would be very controversial i think if there was yeah. like a, no handicapped people allowed in this bathroom <laughs> now do you um, guys i, I have a trivia why. question do you guys remember when larry david was on an airplane in seinfeld when larry david was on an airplane in seinfeld no I yeah don't so um, um so if you remember elaine comes back from the bathroom and, and they don't have any dinner for her and so she mm-hmm. asks for a dinner and they say, oh, sorry, all we have left is kosher. And then they start debating oh, what is kosher yeah. me, the rabbi blessed. And, and it's Larry David's voice. Oh, I ordered kosher four months ago. I forgot about it. <laughs> so Larry David yes, orders the yes, kosher yes. meal on the airplane. Yes. Very good. Yeah. Um, I don't think Larry David probably orders the kosher meal. On, yeah. Uh, and I don't think the, he's flying flights anymore. anymore either. Yeah. Um, okay. So it is. Uh, so, yeah. So, you know, just you know doesn't fly he's like sorry you know i'm just gonna go use the bathroom um and they get you know they they start getting to this whole argument about how you know larry is you know he's privileged he thinks he can do whatever he wants and he's like no like you're like you're making a generalization i happen to be in first class i'm not like a first class person i'm coachy i could be like i could sit in coach i sit in coach all the time i'm coachy um anyway you're just jealous you would obviously fly first class if you were able to like if somebody got you first class you would take it um yeah so like they you know and larry's eventually just like yeah sorry like i'm gonna go use the bathroom you're not gonna like physically stop me um as like we see him heading into the bathroom like we see this man who at first i thought was um jerry from parks and recreation oh uh, but it's not it looks like him yeah but yeah. we've also already had him on the show he played like a cop back in season yes. three i think like with during the, the restaurant in the restaurant yeah yeah and i think with the yeah. corpse stuffing dog yeah um so like i knew it wasn't him but then it's like i i still think this it's the same guy because uh, they look a lot alike. Anyway, um, so yeah, he's uh, requesting a drink from a stewardess. Um, did you notice who the stewardess is, Alex or Dan? I, I, I mean, you know, she she was an attractive young woman, and she did not look familiar to me. Yeah, you wouldn't I necessarily recognize her. Head, her. But yeah, you wouldn't necessarily recognize her. So that is Brittany Lady Gaga. 
Yeah, that is uh, Brittany Buckner, uh, daughter of Bill Buckner, who would appear on the episode coming up in three weeks from now, Mr. Softy. Um, so she's oh, an actress. The baseball player? Yeah, he was. Yeah, he's on the uh, he's on later in the season. Yeah, so yeah. Um, right. I'm guessing it was uh, some sort of package deal. Would be like yes. <laughs> That's funny. Um, so yeah, so she's they really like, wanted yeah. Brittany, so they had to get Bill. <laughs> That's right. They're like, oh, now that we have Bill, we'll build you know an episode around his. Yeah. Uh, his whole Maybe it was baseball. the other way around. You know, my dad wants to act. <laughs> really, stewardess. Uh, okay, <laughs> who is he? He's Bill Buckner. Holy <laughs> shit! Let's write an episode. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, I can see that one. That one. Yeah. So yeah, so she's like, sorry, I think you had enough. Uh, meanwhile, Larry's in the bathroom flossing. You know, he's getting ready for his uh, date coming up on the flights. By the way, it's um, a little weird for a guy who's a little bit of a germy and like you know values his bathroom that he didn't really have to pee. He just went to floss. Like I would wait and wait for the first class one to open up rather than go all the way back to the, uh, you know, that economy bathroom, which, uh, you know, gets pretty rough halfway through a flight. Right. Yeah. Flossing shouldn't be that urgent that he had. Like he couldn't yeah. just like wait out the first class bathroom. I, yeah. I definitely agree with that. Yeah. Like he, he, he had to flee the scene because he had to, you know, he, he, he flailed with Samantha and he's got to, you know, come back. Is it possible that he was going to pee? After he flossed, but right, then, like, I think we need whole, to analyze this. In the whole hubbub, <laughs> he prematurely exited the bathroom because he heard about the, the whole commotion. Um, so he was planning on peeing too. He loves drama. Yeah. Do you yeah. guys remember that commercial in the '90s for like a women's shampoo, where the woman goes into the bathroom and like shampoos her hair, and then she like basically has an orgasm. Ah, she's so excited by how great ah, her hair is. Yeah, yeah. I feel and like then, it's like Vidal Sassoon or something. And then for some reason, those, yeah. there's an intercom in the bathroom that goes speaks to the whole airplane because of course they have that on airplanes, you know, so that people get everybody can hear you taking a shit on an airplane. <laughs> well, if they have, they give you the option, you just have to push yeah. the button. But you know what? I remember yeah, the commercial you. 25 years later, so maybe it was effective. I don't know. Also, it's it not to the whole, it shouldn't be to the whole airplane, but it should be like a channel. Like if you want to like watch CNN, you can watch CNN. If you want to listen to the, to the, <laughs> the speaker in the bathroom, that's it. It's like the Truman show. Like that's it's a channel. That's an option. Yeah, it's an option. It's not mandatory. Yeah. They also have shows and movies. I mean, I guess once every like, you know, a thousand hours, you you get to see two people crammed in there having sex. So but you got to you got to sit through a lot of uh, bad farting. And well, you could. You, yeah, you can also fast forward, probably yeah. um, <laughs> find the good stuff. Uh, it's like, yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, yeah. So, you know, the this uh, interaction between the stewardess and this man becomes like increasingly aggressive. You know, she's refusing. Um, he gets up. He says, you know, get himself. He pushes her out of the way, starts yelling at her. Um, just that Larry, you know, stumbles out of the bathroom. He trips on his untied shoes, of course, because the shoelaces are too long. Uh, he tackles the man and the man is like, oh, my God, this guy is going to kick my ass. Please don't hurt me. I'll go back to my seat. And like um, everyone's like, oh, my God, Larry's amazing. And like he's like tries to start be like, oh, like, no, but like he's everyone is like, you know, the response is overwhelming. And like, of course, as we know, Larry is never a man to turn down um, the admiration of his, you know, his peers and the people surrounding That's him. Split second, his facial expression when he realizes what's happening is, is amazing. I just love it. He has this like moment of like clarity and like excitement. I'm like, oh, nice. <laughs> right. I saved the day. Yeah. <laughs> they think I they think I'm a hero. I'm an idiot. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, he's, he's the Kramer in, in this role, right? He falls ass backwards into money and, uh, and, uh, yeah. 
Yeah, it's like it's it's very similar to like I think we've talked about in the uh, the conversion episode where yeah. like he like doesn't give a shit about the conversion until like all the Jews are like cheering him on that he just like becomes really passionate about it. Like, yeah, like now he has fans. The baptism. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The baptism. Yeah. Um, but, you know, so this but from a it doesn't really make any sense here. So the people around start applauding and that's very nice. And then they applaud all the way up and Larry walks into first class and everyone's applauding in first class. Larry just walked through a closed curtain. So no one in first class. Yeah. Can possibly know say that, what the hell is going on? I was going to say that too. That Jeff Jeff says that was you, yeah. and it's like, how the fuck does Jeff know what just yeah, happened? I think there? we know exactly how Jeff knows. He was watching the live feeds. He was the, watching the live feed from the bathroom. <laughs> that's right. It's Channel Sixty. He's watching sphincter cam. Yeah, yeah that's right. <laughs> but by the way, like it, it's so Jeff vaguely got the idea from all the applauding that somebody did something heroic. Fine, but then we're gonna see it like as the scene continues that Susie. It's quite a stretch. Susie sees Larry tying his shoe. And (laughs) based on that one tiny piece of information, assumes, well, he must have tripped over a shoe. and Like, she doesn't know that exactly what, like, the physical interaction, like, that he tackled him. She doesn't know, like, what he did if he yelled at him. Like, she doesn't. So the whole thing is, like, it's quite absurd. And we'll see in a later episode, a later scene in the episode, that from this tiny, tiny, tiny little intuition, she just accepts it as fact and will go and and report it. says it. (laughs) Yeah. I think that's part of the field. Jeff squeal? I don't think Jeff. All right. Let's, I don't let's know, but I what, think, what, what, I think that'll be part it? of the process of an improvised, yeah. you know, uh, yeah. lightly outlined show is, oh shit, we missed that plot point. Yeah. <laughs> you know, sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Why don't we, uh, why don't we get there when we get there? With Sorry. The, uh, yeah. All right. Um, so let's, let's, uh, yeah, let's keep going. Um, so, yeah. So, you know, the, you know, he sits next down now next, back down next to the, to the woman. And she, now she's like really into him because he's mm. this big hero. Um, even though like, to your point, like she didn't like see it, like she shouldn't be like that into him now based on like, Oh, I heard like, Oh, vaguely that like you can't, whatever. Like if she saw it, like I could see that, like, Oh, like he like looks heroic in the moment, but fine. Yeah. Um, now she's super into him. She introduces herself. Her name is Donna. Um, and now see things, uh, seem like, you know, they may uh, be taking a turn for the better. And as you said, we see uh, Larry tying the shoes and Susie sees it and they have like this moment where they like make eye contact and like she knows and he knows she knows. Yeah. And it just, it makes no sense that she knows. Uh, yeah. By the way, Donna, uh, that's quite a nice dress for the airplane there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Some people, I, I always say this. Was, I don't understand. Yeah, I don't understand the people that like fly in fancy clothes. Like, I wear a sweat, a tracksuit. Yeah, yeah. flying. Uh, I don't clothes. get like people that like fly in like a turtleneck in a sport coat. I'm like, what are you doing? Well, like, I've had like you... to. I've had to fly in suits before, um, and it's a very unpleasant experience. Yeah, like why? Yeah. So it's like unless you like absolutely must, because like you literally like are going like directly to a meeting or something like that. Fly in normal clothes and then change into your like annoying clothes. Yeah, like being on a plane is extra annoying. In like that's why I, I'm not kidding. I always wear a tracksuit. I don't give yeah. a fuck yeah. what it looks like. It feels great. Yeah, yeah. I also I always take off my shoes on an airplane. Oh, it's first, like first thing, thing I do. But you also first wear socks. I, I assume you're not a maniac walking. Yeah, the I always fly in like slippers with socks. Yeah. I you think, have to know if you're a stink foot, you know, if you're a stink foot, you can't do it. You got some people just aren't allowed to take the shoes off in the plane. Oh, that's I just see. the way it is. Even yeah, some people are well, stink so. foot. Just put on no fresh socks or it, it, that's not enough. You're saying yeah, you can put people. on fresh socks unless it's like a 16 year old boy. Yeah. It's still going to stink. <laughs> well, I've never been accused of this, so I'll, I'll no, I'm sure I'll, I assume I'm fine. <laughs> Um, you are yeah, banned from uh, onlyfans.com. Yeah. yeah, so I'm not yeah, banned from I'm not banned from anything foot related. Um, <laughs> my podiatrist, who I've been seeing a lot lately, can attest to that. I'm, I'm welcome in all for all sorts of foot things. 
um, except not having paid in fees. But yeah, okay. So, uh, so Ava, yeah. Ava, I saw a picture this week of a um, of people using their feet in a very sexual manner. Uh, do you know what I'm referencing or no? No, but was, I, can, I know. I it was from your guess. friend. It was from your friend Aby. I have no idea what you're talking about. Oh, whatever. I might have missed it. I'm, it's possible he sent it, and I just missed it. I'm in a lot of groups. Yeah. Um, yeah, we have a group. So, like, if you want to join a pretty, pretty, pretty good uh, per, per podcast group, uh, you could. Uh, my uh, Twitter handle is in the uh, in the episode description. You could just send me a message, and uh, as long as you, I don't think you're like a murderer, I'll probably let you in. So, um, yeah, do that. We have a nice uh, solid group there. Talk about curb stuff throughout the week. Um, okay, so yeah, so we wake up in the morning, and Alex, where are we? We are in New York City, baby. We made it. We made it. If we can make it here. Yeah. All right. We're in New now, York. Now, is Larry in Tesla's friend's apartment? Uh, yeah, I think we're going to have to try to do some detective work and see if we can figure that out. Yeah, it might. It might be like explicitly said one way or another later. I don't remember. But in yeah. the meantime, we could try to see if we can figure it out. But we probably won't be able to. But it will probably be established later at some point, whether it is or isn't. Yeah. Best part of New York is you're four thousand three thousand miles away from Tesla. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, New York is, you know, there's worse places to be to get away from Tesla than New York City. Yeah. <laughs> um, although not so much now. I used to love New York. Now I can't stand it. Um, but uh, yeah, that's what happens when you like separate for a while. Everything moves to suburbs. It becomes uh, I was a very different the, place. I was just in the city for the longest consecutive time I've been in the city since COVID. I was there for like uh, like 30 hours straight. Yeah. Yeah, I've been there like I was there for like 24 hours total, not even like five hours total in the last two years. Oh, wow. Um, oh, so you never go to the city anymore. Yeah, I barely go. Like I go like, you know, one, every few months, like if I go want to go out for see, dinner, that's what you move to Long Island and they never see you again. It's really it's absolutely true. If your friends yeah. in New York tell you that they're still going to see you when they move to Long Island, they're lying to you. They will mm. not. They will. No one wants to leave their house once they have a house. Mm. All right. Let's even, get like, to New York. here. Yeah. Yeah, so we're, yeah, we just want to talk about New York a little. I like New yeah. York. I New used to love New York. New York overall is still good. Um, I'm, I'm glad to be in New York. Um, should we Dan, have, have you spent out? any time in New York? Yeah, I lived in New York for two years when I was working on the Daily Show. Oh, obviously. Show. Yeah, yeah, that's true. And then yeah. I went back for this episode, and I've gone back quite a few times over did the you years. Live in, for... Did you live in the city, or where you live when you were doing the Daily Show? Yeah, we were on the Upper West Side, 76 and Broadway, and then we moved hmm. down to Manhattan Beach, which is right, you know, sandwiched in between uh, Brighton and Sheepshead Bay. Yeah, all the way down. So were you when when you were cast on Curb, were you living in L.A. at the time? Yeah, I lived in L.A. It's a it's an interesting convoluted story. I got hired to do a pilot that Larry Charles had created and I did it. It was fucking awesome. It never saw the light of day. And then like six months later, I get a call saying. If you had to fly yourself out and put yourself up, would you be interested in doing an episode of Curb? And I was wow. like, fuck yeah, I'm in. And they said, okay, because you've been offered the role, but you have to be a local hire. And I said, I'm a, Curb, I'm in. Yes. Is Curb's so budget that myself. tight even at this point? No. They, listen, every fucking show is cheap as shit. I'll <laughs> say it. And, and they all know they are. I mean, like, that's, that's just the way it is. And I'm not a star. So they're not, especially then, I hadn't really done anything other than The Daily Show. And they're not going to fucking spend big cash like, Putting someone up, fly, you got to fly people first class and then you got to put them up and you got to put them up in a respectable place. So they're like, nah, fuck that. We can get, there's a million improvisers in New York. They could have yeah, got anyone. Yeah. But Larry Charles went to bat for me and said, I got the guy. He's perfect. I just did a pilot with him. I really think you'd love him. And Garland said, I don't know that guy. 
And then, <laughs> you know, the rest is history. Now we're going to, we're going to watch the scene in a second. It's funny because you usually play such like bigger characters and here you're a lurker who just sort of sneaks up on Larry and Jeff. Yeah. We'll see. Yeah. All right. So, uh, yeah. So let's head over to the restaurant with, uh, Jeff and Larry. Ricky Gervais is sitting in the booth behind you. Oh, really? Yep. Can I turn around or is that? All right. You ready? Yeah. You know, uh, they replaced all the lighting here. Yeah. And then oh, really, yeah. what no, you got over nice. there? I, I like, yes. Yeah. So it's mm-hmm. all, and then I yeah. keep this going until you turn uh-huh. around. There you go. Okay, yeah. <laughs> he's in town doing a play right next door. He's with, oh, yeah, uh, I heard about that play. Yeah, What's it called? Uh, Mr. Higginbotham. Mr. Symington. <laughs> Mr. Symington. Yes. Well, I've been hoping to sign him. I just, I, I, I love him. He'd be great yeah, to have. Yeah, he's great. You know what? Uh, I'm going to buy him a bottle of wine. Great move. Why not? Would you like me to get a bottle of wine from Mr. Gervais? <laughs> sure. How did you? Uh... Okay. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Please. Excellent. Okay. Take care of that. So let's just let's just stop right there. Maybe let's let's take this piece by piece. Um. Yeah. So like as we you know we've talked about a lot. We've been told by many of the people on the show that like you get like a card that like kind of gives you some general ideas. Kind of you said before that like you just get like a sentence. Um. And then like the rest you kind of like get to make up. So like what what element here was like any element of like the lurker was that something that you created or was that part of like what you were supposed to be no that was uh, that was all part of it you know i mean it's just the words aren't written it was you know you show up in the middle of them talking and they don't notice you and then you buy an extremely expensive (laughs) bottle of wine for ricky truvay's and we don't know whether it was me that did it or ricky that did it and ultimately what comes comes got it okay um, yeah, that's fun. Like, um, you know, like it's uh, it's like it, it leaves some something to the imagination, like, that you know, you kind of go with it. Yeah. And it's like yeah. a fun idea. This like this like silent this assassin is, waiter. This is also right. And this is like Curb 101, which is you're not there to be funny. Jeff and Larry are there to be funny. And you're a waiter. You're a fucking <laughs> yeah. waiter. They're going to give you your moment. You're going to have your thing that's supposed to be your thing. But don't be coming up with a bunch of funny shit because we don't have room for it. We got a whole show to do. And that's tough because you're thinking I'm auditioning on camera right now with these guys for the potential to do. No, don't do it. Just fucking do what they ask you to do and turn around and walk away. You know, yeah. Dan Jablons uh, told us a terrifying story of he uh, tried a little bit too hard when he was hiring cats and he thought he pissed Larry off and he was like terrified that like he was going to get cut out of the episode. Yeah. I mean, it it, it could be, you know, I mean, I, I wouldn't doubt it. I mean, they have. Three, we had three directors, Dave Mandel, Alec Berg, and Larry Charles were all directing and they call them the twins. And you would get a note from any one of the three or Jeff or Larry at any moment, you know? And so I just was like, I'm just gonna, I'm do what I did for LC, which is when he asked me to jump, I'll just jump as high as I can. And when he says, just stand there, I'll just stand there. You know, I was just being a good little boy that day. No uh, Roger Furlong in this waiter's character yet. <laughs> no, fuck no. Yeah, no. That was, you know, that was not only that. I'm in there with Parnell. I mean, look at yeah. the four I'm with. I'm with Parnell, Gervais, Larry David, and Jeff Garland. And at this point, I had done The Daily Show a year and a half before this. Right. So I was not I was not in a position to be trying to make any waves. I was just trying to yeah. just fucking survive yeah, this stay thing. Stay in your lane, right? Yeah. Yeah, man. Absolutely. <laughs> like, try, I don't yeah, wanna, try to take over the seat. Yeah. I don't want to skip over Jeff. Yeah. You know, such an awful manager. He wants to hire, uh, like, recruit Ricky Gervais. He doesn't even know the name of the play. <laughs> Mr. Higginbotham. 
yeah, it's uh, it's not, it's not clear that Jeff has any clients other than Larry. Um, who hey, he's living off Larry's four percent, uh, uh, living large though. So yeah, I mean, I think he just uh, might have gotten lucky that his best friend uh, became a uh, hundred millionaire. <laughs> um, so yeah, so oh, so let's continue with the with the club. Yeah. yeah, that's what we're doing. Yeah, so last time Larry's the waiter he was oh. fighting with was oh sorry. No, you continue. You continue. We'll, we'll oh, no, he was fighting with the waiter when Jason Alexander, right at the end of last season, wouldn't tell him what the tip was. Right. Wouldn't tell him how much Jason Alexander tipped. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah Larry has for sure has a thing with waiters. Like there's oh, like many, two waiters many, things per yeah. season. You can curb, there's tons in Seinfeld. Yeah. So it's, yeah. it's one of his big things. Uh, yeah. The whole waiter dynamic is very weird. So it's like there's lots of uh, fodder around it. So you got to be careful with these waiters. They, they come over to your table. They eavesdrop. I think that's why they're always pouring the water. Yeah. I can't say anything personal. I think that's one of the perks of the job, is picking up the tidbits. It's a tidbit <laughs> festival. Yes. Um, Did you order the wine? Yes, you got a very nice bottle. In fact, it was a $300 bottle, so the best in the house. <laughs> Enjoy. A $300 bottle of wine? Are you serious? Look. It looks very happy. And it doesn't look like that fancy of a place. Right. Inappropriate. It is inappropriate. It's really taking advantage. I agree with you. But listen, man, I am starving. My blood sugar is just going down to my feet. If I don't eat something, I feel like faint. Our I truly feel faint. Our food's sitting up there. Our food's sitting up yeah. there. Well, what the fuck? What is he doing? He's just sitting there schmoozing with them? Yeah, he's like, I found a new best friend. How do you know what? Yeah, what are you guys giggling about over there? If you there? do that, you're a hero. I, I have to tell you, I don't remember what we were giggling right. about, but I do remember saying, I'm going to slap Ricky Gervais on the shoulder. Like buddy. <laughs> that was like my big reach out and try to make a, make a connection thing there. Not like showbiz wise, but like, uh, this is my chance I'm going to take because I'm going to smack Ricky Gervais on the shoulder as I laugh and walk away. <laughs> Hire that man. Yeah. Uh, okay. So I yeah, love we- this. Uh, I love the cook. Yeah, he's horrified at what he's looking at him and he's like, what the yeah. fuck? Right, it's like Who someone's committing a, a hate crime in front of him. Yeah. Um, all right, so yeah, so Larry's grabbing the food. <laughs> For you? Listen to that giggle. Oh, fantastic. Oh, yes. <laughs> so pissed Are off. Are you doing your meal? As a matter of fact, I am. Hmm. Um, where did this food come from? I brought it here. Do you understand... I'm the waiter. Yet we were the ones who were doing the waiting. <laughs> so we became the waiters. This man is a hero. He just revolutionized <laughs> the way restaurants work, my friend. No one's gonna go hungry again. Sorry, gentlemen. So according to Jeff, the big issue in the uh, in the restaurant industry is that there's too much time from the time that the food is placed on that yeah. table <laughs> until the food is brought to someone's plate. <laughs> Tell um, me they're wrong. <laughs> Tell me you haven't sat in a restaurant and gone, is that my fucking cheeseburger? Is that my burger? That's my burger. It's just sitting there. What's she doing? You turn around and she's 
filling <laughs> someone's coffee and chatting with someone and you know schmoozing with Ricky Gervais. Yeah, you know, and it's yeah. like fuck this, man. My food's getting cold. I, I, I I've seen it. I, I seen agree it. with a lot of it. Yeah, <laughs> I've yeah. seen it. I'm not saying it never happens. I know, um, but yeah, I don't think Vlad has uh, revolutionized. <laughs> no, no, <laughs> not at all. But, but we've already established he's a hero. Now, just yeah, he is a hero. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Now, now uh, Jeff is just like super on Team Larry. He just like sees the hero in it in everywhere. Yeah, yeah. By the way, Jeff was complaining about his blood sugar, but it looks like he's eating a salad there. Very healthy by Jeff. Yeah, yeah, we've seen. Uh, they got spinach salads last episode also. So maybe Jeff is on a little bit of a health kick. Mm. I will yeah, say maybe- this, that that whole day, we shot the uh, the restaurant scenes all on the same day. And that whole day, Jeff was walking around going, ah, jism. <laughs> jism. <laughs> hey, you got any jism? And I'd be like, I'm, I'm sorry, what? And he'd go, hey, did you get jism? And I'd go, no. And he'd go, hey, you going to Crafty? Yeah, bring me back some jism. And I was just like, what is this? And then he started playing that with Ricky and, and Gervais was like, uh, kind of like didn't understand what was going on. And then there was a, fun, oh man, a classic moment was Chris Parnell was talking to Jeff and he said, um, you know, thank you so much for having me. Right. And Jeff goes, yeah, no, of course, man. We've always wanted to have you on the show. And he goes, uh, yeah, I auditioned for that other thing. And he goes, yeah, God, you were perfect for it. And he goes, yeah, yeah, well, but it didn't go your way, you know, and and because, of course, nobody saw any of these episodes for it was about a year and a half after shooting them before they aired. And and Jeff goes, uh, 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 Parnell asked him, like, who got it? And he goes, well, John Schneider. And he's like, you mean the Duke boy? And he goes, yeah. <laughs> well, how was he? And Jeff goes, he was terrible, but he was perfect <laughs> for the role. You know what I mean? And it's that thing where you could see Parnell go. Yeah, yeah. Okay, just like I, I don't understand. It's like if you remember, John Schneider would play like a hunk, like a super hunk, hot dude. Parnell wasn't going to play that role, you know. It's just the way it goes. But right, interesting back back scene behind the scenes. <laughs> yeah, you do a very nice Jeff, by the way. Thank yeah. you. Well, I've worked with him a lot on the Goldbergs too, you know. So yeah, yep. all right. Yeah, I saw that earlier today. Uh, my wife is a big uh, the Goldbergs fan. I've never, uh, I've never gotten around to it. it. Yeah, she says good oh, things. I love it. I yeah. Love it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, her whole family is very into it. Uh, a little bit different uh, vocabulary, I think, when you're on uh, network, though, than HBO. Yeah, I, I would, oh, I would big say. Big time. Big time. <laughs> no, no jism. No. Yeah, I want to see and the. You know, I want to see the outtakes of, on that show. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so we're gonna head to the. I guess uh, later that night, and uh, Larry is out with Donna at a restaurant called Koi. I don't know if this is a real place. I forgot to look that up. Have you ever been to Koi, Dan? Is it a real place? I have know? not, but I know City Hall was a real place. The, the, <laughs> the, place that I was, the place that I was a waiter in. Was uh-huh. Okay, got it. That's fun. Um, yeah, Koi's a restaurant. Yeah. I mean, it could be a different one. It's right on Bryant Park. Yeah. Oh, okay, speaking of Bryant Park Hotel. I stayed there once. Speaking of uh, of Curb restaurants, we uh, we got sent in by a uh, a fan earlier today. Uh, shoot, I forgot his name. Uh, I'll get it for later. But um, Goldblatt's Deli, which was featured in the uh, Palestinian chicken episode a few mm-hmm. weeks ago, um, is sh- uh, shutting its doors. Um, yep. uh, so, yeah, but, you know, I guess now uh, the, the Palestinian chicken restaurant is free to, is, you know, they can operate freely. Uh, Gold, <laughs> Goldblatt's Deli is no more. There's no reason to object to uh, their presence. <laughs> Um, so yeah, um, maybe I'll try to pull later, uh, the full uh, story there, um, in the postman, um, by the way, the Bryant park hotel, uh, where Koi is located, it's like, looks like, it seems like it's like a normal hotel, but there were like sex toys in my room, like on like the, 
like like available to be used. It was like a very strange thing. And then um, and then they also had a magazine in the hotel that ranked the sexiest hotels in New York. And it was it was I don't remember where it was, but it was on the list. But it was very strange because I was there for like an interview at a law firm. And so it was a strange place for them to put me up. But yeah. OK, so I, I have it up here now. The C- City Hall is oh, uh, was like all the way downtown, like Wall Street. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Koi is um, like Midtown West 40, West 40th Street. Yeah. In Pride Park. I just. All right. Whatever. I'm talking to myself. OK. Sorry. <laughs> sorry. I was. Yeah, I was not listening to you. I was looking it up. Can't yeah. research and listen at the same time. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know, a, a professional show would do this ahead of time. But, All right. Let's get uh, to Susie's dinner party. Or are we going straight to the next day at the restaurant again? No, we're still at the restaurant. We didn't get to the dinner party yet. No, this is the next day. This They're is a different, different day. Yeah. Uh, you're all you're all confused. No, no, no. This sorry. I I'm, this is the confusion. This is not the scene. This is a uh, a still image to break. Oh, pumps. oh, you. Oh, Got it. sorry. I direction. Sh- Brilliant. I, I should stop. Share. OK, that this is the disconnect. OK, I understand. I understand now. All right. OK, I'm very confused <laughs> the last like seven minutes. <laughs> all right. Well, you'll have to do some editing. there. Yeah. OK, I apologize. Um, OK, so we're in Koi and Larry is in a booth with Donna and she's still like she can't believe what a hero Larry is like, oh, my God, it was such an amazing thing. Again, she didn't even see it. Like she only heard about it secondhand. I'm, you know, Trump, I'm sure I assume Larry is doing like a great job embellishing what ha- what's happening. Sure. But I bet uh, like at like the baggage claim, he was getting another round of applause. Right. As like as he left with his bags, he like yeah. did like a like a Nixon ascending. Um, so, yeah, she's like, you know, people need to know about this. They need to know the other side of you, which implies that she knows that he's otherwise lousy. Like yeah. she's learned this. Like she hasn't figured out. It's like you're terrible. But like you did this one thing. Yeah. Like she, she knows the full picture already. Um, he eats pink berry. He's obviously a monster. <laughs> yeah. Um, she compares him to uh, Sully Sullenberger, who landed the plane on the Hudson. Yeah. Uh, equal situations. Although, as we know from the movie about Sully, Sully was actually a big villain because he didn't like file proper uh, paper work or something a proper protocol which is very weird that they made that like the focus of the movie like this made up thing that like he was like investigated for like not doing the right thing when like he saved everybody um whatever yeah i, I was i thought it was still a fun movie but uh it's a it's a good complaint about the movie um so yeah so uh Sully's a hero larry's a hero they're both heroes these two people should be honored accordingly um, and Larry's like, you know, honestly, I myself never even made the Sully connection uh, because it's insane. Um, and he's like, you know, I wonder, you know, really, what would Sully have done if he was in my situation? Would he have had the cojones to uh, to take on this drunk man, this old drunk fat guy uh, who like all that needed to happen is for somebody like a, like a 90 pound man to like bump into him and he fell. What would Sully have done? Could yeah. he have taken it? <laughs> The guy who landed a plane on the Hudson. <laughs> yeah, we know what Sully is. Uh, I just want to explain what Larry's. Yeah, no, um, we got the joke. <laughs> so, yeah. So, you know, she thinks it's important that people know. And, you know, she's like, listen, if you want to tell Sully about it, you could go ahead. So otherwise, like, let's, you know, you could call Sully, but Sully, but otherwise, like, let's keep it. Uh, let's keep it between us. Um, you know, I've never been tested like that before. You know, I've never had to fight in a war. I did once have to sit on a very crowded subway train on the way home from a World Series game, um, but I maintained my composure. Um, yeah, th- those subway trains uh, right after a Yankees game are very uncomfortable. 
Yeah, I once took a very depressing train home from a uh, Mets game seven NLCS loss, which was very unpleasant to say the Cardinals. Yeah, on a disgusting crowded train for, you know, an hour and a half with like no one talking because everyone is just like depressed. Um, So, yeah. So, you know, I feel like I've also now experienced uh, this uh, level of testing as well. Did you maintain your composure? Um, yeah, you know, I, I got through it. <laughs> um, so yeah, da- Donna's like, you know, thank God you were on the plane. That's all I have to say. And, um, you know, life's like, you know, you could say more and, you know, they both have a little laugh. So yeah, so there, she's, there certainly seemed to be, uh, hitting it off. Yeah. Things are going very well for Larry. Very well for Larry. Um, so yeah, so they head over to this bakery, um, and, um, Larry explains, you know, they live around the corner, but like, I want to grab, uh, this bread for, you know, bring them to the park. Yeah. And George brings Pepsi. Larry brings bread. I'll show up with ring dings and Pepsi. I become yeah. the biggest hit of the party. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. La- There's uh, another Bobka. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Also, this is like the marble. There's a lot of Seinfeld going on here. I, I, I yes. definitely feel like Larry went out of his way. He's like in New York. First, yeah, he's in New York. He's doing like a lot of Seinfeld. Yeah. Stick. Um, it feels the very. Mar- but the marble rye is very different than this um, baseball bat of a French bread that he gets. Italian, I think it was. Or Didn't Italian. You Thank it you. Italian. Yes, yeah, it's Italian. Yeah. yeah. They do say that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so Donna's like, why don't you get wine? And Larry is like, everyone gets wine. I get bread. Larry's right. Um, which is right. Yeah. Don't get like, they don't need a fifth bottle of wine. Even if the bread is like, not great. Like, it's just like, it's another thing. Like they don't need yeah. more wine. When, See, when you funny. bring me, when I you wouldn't... bring me a bottle, a fifth bottle of wine, you're, it's just going in like, you know, I'm not serving all the bottles. So it's just, you know, going into my reserves for later. I get, I'm, I'm an even bigger prick than Larry. I go, Oh, you're <laughs> inviting me to your house for dinner. Thank you. I'm here. <laughs> Like, yeah. I'm not, I'm, I'm George. I'm like, I'm not fucking bringing a thing. Are you kidding me? I thought you were feeding us. What right, the fuck am what... I doing? I'm bringing landfill. I'm bringing compost. That's what I'm bringing. I'm bringing yeah. shit that nobody's going to eat because it's not part of the meal and you're going to throw it out. Larry does have I'm a thing though anything. with, with very hard baked goods. Cause the scones will come in season 10 <laughs> that no one else oh, can yeah. eat except for Larry. And here he's <laughs> right. got this Italian bread that he seems to like that everyone else thinks is hard as a rock. <laughs> Yeah, he gets this like unedible bread. Like, I mean, which I guess is smart to like bring something to a party that only you like and you know that everybody else hates. And then like you just get to eat it. Yeah, so it's true. like that's your you like you get free dinner. Not free, yeah. like, you get dinner. That's why like, he gave share with anyone. That's why he brought the freak book, right? right to exactly. dancing. Because he, he knew I'll gifts. enjoy it at the party. <laughs> he, he brings yeah. gifts that are really for himself. Like yeah. when Homer bought uh Marge the bowling ball with Homer yeah. etched into it. Yeah. Um, okay, so now we're at the party, finally. Um, and uh, Susie welcomes Larry and Donna in, you know, they talk a little, Larry gives Susie the bread and she immediately goes like, what are you doing? Why are you buying me bread? And Larry says, oh, it's like this great Italian bread. And Susie's like, what are you talking about? Like, that doesn't go with my menu. Like, you don't get to impose your like tastes and desires onto my menu and like throw off like my, throw my whole thing here. And, you know, why can't you just bring wine like everybody else? And Larry's like, I brought bread precisely because everybody else was bringing wine. <laughs> Yeah. Um, yeah, which certainly can be interpreted more obnoxiously than uh than than when he means it, but you know, it's uh But that's the Larry Susie relationship. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I do kind of hear where she's coming from, where it's like like don't just like bring something random. Like you should like if you're gonna but, bring... but it wasn't like a really acquired taste, it's just plain bread that it's like not that hard to fit into the menu. What's not that hard, sushi? but no, but I think that you should, if you're going to bring something, you should like confirm what you're bringing with the host. Cause it's like, they might be already getting that. Like, well, like you- yes. If you're going to bring like a, like a, a weird souffle, but if you know, if you're, I don't think you need to confirm if you're bringing like wine or like 
fruit or like like bread. I don't know. I don't think it's necessary. All right, fine. Because it's like I think the whole point of this episode is I brought you a fucking gift and you didn't appreciate it. Yeah, that's the whole the whole episode is I bought you a three hundred dollar bottle of wine. I went to your show. I brought this bread. Nobody appreciates anything Larry does. Yeah, it's always well, the mea culpa. So he know? should do he should do what Frank Costanza did. You take it back. If they don't if they don't like yeah. it, you take it back. Yeah, <laughs> right. He should take all the bread with him. Yeah. Um. Yeah, so, I mean, it's uh, you know, it's lucky that he always seems to have one of these breads on hand, as we'll see at the end of the episode. But yeah, you know, he doesn't yeah. have to mug a poor old lady on the street. Yeah. Um, yeah, if, I mean, if um, if Jerry Seinfeld had had this bread instead of the marble rye, then like we really like he would have gone to jail a lot earlier. I think. <laughs> or she would have beat his ass. Yeah, that's true. Give me that, you old bag. Oh, right. She, 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 over the head she, she has she the bread. She hits. Oh, right. First. Yeah. Oh, she hits. Him totally first. different thought, story. Oh, yeah. So she would have knocked him out. Yeah. Maybe, yeah, he, maybe he gets end. killed. Maybe he gets killed. And he's dead. That's the end and of the it's show. no longer called Seinfeld. They try to call it Kramer. It doesn't work. <laughs> And the right. Larry, is never the Larry same. doesn't have half a billion dollars, so then there's no curb. Yeah, no, I'll, yeah, we're not saying that Jerry Seinfeld, the character on Seinfeld, is that we're saying Jerry Seinfeld is dead because oh, the, the, actor, they, actually, the yes, prop, the actual, the actual prop was, yeah. Jer- was Larry's bread and she killed Jerry Seinfeld yeah. Right? Yeah. by accident. <laughs> um, yeah, that would be very sad, but they would try to continue the show. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so... Um, you know, Ricky, uh, Ricky Gervais comes in. Um, I actually very randomly this afternoon, Ricky Gervais uh, dropped in my to my podcast feed through the uh, Sam Harris podcast that they do together, like where they do like a 15 minute episode once every seven weeks. Um, but yeah, so it was uh, so it was fun. They have a podcast um, together. I didn't know that. That's weird. Yeah, yeah, like he used to like come on his podcast a bunch. And then like they started doing this like little like late night phone calls thing, like 20 minute like little episodes. They're fun. But, you know, if you like their shtick, they're good. If you don't, then they're not good. Um, anyway, so he comes in. Uh, Susie's like really excited that he's here. You know, there's finally, you know, I have star power at my dinner party. Um, obviously, like, you know, Larry's completely immaterial to this. Um, and, you know, he gives her a, uh, a special signed copy of Extras on DVD. And Susie says, it's the funniest show in the history of TV. Uh, Larry says, let's say funny, uh, let's essentially. Say yeah. yeah, let's say good. Um, yeah, he's like, it's funny, it's funny. Um, uh, Ricky's like, oh, yeah, Seinfeld, also a lovely show. You know, I really, you know, I love broad comedy like that. Um, you know, especially, you know, what I really love about it is that laugh track, it reminds you when to laugh. Gervais is so um, incredible in this entire episode, as just yeah, an insufferable prick. <laughs> yeah, he really is terrific. Yeah, I think um, it was a real stretch for him. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't strike me as the kind of guy that is actually that way at all yeah uh, great acting great acting yeah yeah and it's funny too because i thought because it had been so long since i'd seen this when when he hands the dvd i thought oh it must be the office when they say the greatest comedy of all time no because extras isn't even ricky gervais's best comedy yeah. it's good it's very good but it's not better than than the office yeah but anyway yeah. obviously they were trying to push the uh the extras on DVD for HBO and that particular uh, a little cross promotional there. Yeah, that's true. But it yeah, also fits so. better with, with, with the character that Ricky's playing to be like, you know, the insufferable prick who's like, no, I'm not going to give you the office. I'm going to give you extras. Yeah. 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 It's like the Harlem Globetrotters visiting Gilligan's Island. That's what this is. <laughs> yeah. Ricky Gervais is the Harlem Globetrotters. Hmm. I um, always, honestly though, he was my favorite host of the golden globes. Cause you know, there are a lot of bigger insufferable pricks in the room and he just calls them out on it. And it's very entertaining. Sure. 
Yeah. So they were they were talking about that um, on this episode I was listening today. And it's uh, a, the story that you told earlier reminded me of the story he told where like he, he was telling a joke on the Golden Globes where he wanted to use a, uh, you know, a vulgar synonym for vagina. And like they wouldn't let him because they said because like that's a vulgar term. I don't remember which one it was, but, you know, well, I think it's the one that in America is a lot worse than it is in England. Could be. So it might have been yeah. that. I don't rem- I honestly don't even remember. Um, and they're like, B- a beloved like, aunt. And he's like, they're like, well, because that word is vulgar. He's like, well, yeah, it's a synonym for vagina. Like, whatever word I use, you're going to say is vulgar. And he's like, so then I can't tell the joke. They're like, no, you can say vagina. But then they're like, he's like, but that's not a good joke. So then like they but they wouldn't let him like do the joke. So. Oh, so he dropped it all together. Or like he did like a weird version of it. But like, yeah, yeah. he's like he was talking about how like, you you know, dealing with like the, the lawyers. He should flip uh, the script yeah, on them. Yeah how misogynist they are to say that vaginas are vulgar. You know, they, they, the rule on it is at least it was when I was on Jim's show on, on legit is if you call someone a cock, you're such a cock, totally right. fine. If you say, yeah. look at my cock, not okay. Interesting. Like so the, the part that is like actually natural is not okay. Yeah. That's right. ironic. The part that's like yeah. calling someone a, yeah. If you're calling someone an asshole, it's fine. If you're talking about yeah. their penis, it's like it's not. No, fine. If, if, if we're you, actually if looking say... at their asshole, that means we're watching White Lotus as our mom drops. <laughs> right. <into sunset. laughs> Spoiler, Spoiler alert. alert. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we, we, we should we should probably uh, timestamp that. Yeah. yeah. Or not. Whatever. You know, it's an adventure. You listen to this thing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah. So um, I, I've definitely uh, Ricky Gervais in real life is a, uh, a big uh, avowed Seinfeld fan. I think he's even said that he uh, based uh, David Brent to an extent on uh, maybe not based on, but he saw George Costanza as like a uh, spiritual predecessor. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, he's uh, he's obviously at least in uh, this respect playing a character, uh, even if uh, maybe not with the uh, the broader character. Um, so yeah, so Larry's like, yeah, you know, extras, it's a funny show, uh, but it's, you know, pretty weird to show up to someone's house with like a copy of your own DVDs. Uh, you know, I've never heard of anyone doing that. Um, and don't we have, don't we, is there, maybe it's late, is it season like nine or 10 where there's a whole storyline with Larry and DVDs and Ted Danson with like the, the movie, uh, the Oscar screeners. I don't remember. But oh, I, yeah. All right. but I've assiduously avoided the episodes we haven't done. Right. All right. So, so we'll have to years. we'll have to remember yeah. to compare back to here when we get okay. to there. There's I, yeah. there's a whole thing with DVDs later. Yeah, but um, but, I, but I just love the, just this immediate disdain. <laughs> immediate, like a lot of people on the show who sort of hate Larry. You know, it's either implied or we see that there's a long history between the two of them, or there's like an immediate negative interaction. But here, Ricky's just choosing from the from the jump. Like I'm just gonna uh, completely hate this guy, and it's just wonderful. Yeah, and that's I so think- rare. That's yeah. so rare on the show. It's almost never somebody who's just without cause dislikes Larry. It's, you know, something happens. Larry or something yeah. happens. Like you said, it was their part, it was their past. But right. this one, it's just like Ricky going, I'm a bigger prick than you are. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and part of what makes this whole dynamic work is that like we're so used to seeing Larry like just like punching down on people. Like he gets into altercations with like someone like you, a waiter in a restaurant, where it's like, okay, yep. this is funny, but like there's only so much you can take. Here it's like Ricky Gervais in, in this world at least is 
if 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 at least on equal footing, if not as presented by the show, seeming on like higher footing than like you know when he walks in the room, Susie's like finally there's star power in this room. Um, so like it it makes the dynamic that much more interesting to like feel like okay we could just like see these guys go like mano mano over the course of this episode and like it's all just funny because like who gives a shit if they're being assholes to each other? They're both like right. rich rich pricks who like who gives a shit? Um, so yeah, <laughs> I think that just like adds like it you know it's it's nice to see finally Larry like battle someone like in his own league. Mm. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, not like the lady in the 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 lady on the airplane, the coachy the coachy girl. Yeah, and like that's I think part of what makes his his relationship with Ted Danson so funny is that also yeah. it's like they're both like should both be b- above any of this bullshit, but like of course they're not. Yeah. Um. So yeah. So um. Larry, yeah. So like Ricky's like, yeah. I mean, well, you know, just because you know you've never heard of somebody doing something doesn't mean that it's that it's odd. Like you don't know everything. Um, Larry, then you know, he turns the conversation over to these uh, the scarf that Ricky's wearing, and you know, Ricky explains he's in a play and he needs to keep his throat warm. And Larry says it looks slightly affected. Um, and Ricky, you know, he jokes that like, yeah, I was really worried that you know you would think that. Um, so, you know, they get into talking about this play called Mr. Symington, which just from its name sounds like the worst thing I could have possibly imagined. Uh, it turns out it's even worse than that. It's a three and a half, three and a half hour drama set around World War One. Yeah. Um, yeah. You don't you don't see a lot of stuff about World War One. And I think, uh, yeah, definitely, well, it's just we not had, not we had uh, Dunkirk in, or no, we had uh, 1917. Excuse me. Yeah. 1917 was very good. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you just like don't see a ton of World War One. Yeah. Um, you know, I always I say that the sequel was better. Yeah, I always say that like we like people should have been more suspicious when like the Germans were going around referring to it as World War One. Yes, yes. <laughs> like we should have been like, oh, what do you mean? Why yeah. are you calling it World War One? Yeah. There's uh, three parts. Just wait. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, that worked out. We won. Uh, sorry about that, Germans. Um, so yeah. Uh, you lost World War One along World the way, II. but yeah, yeah, you lost World War One. You lost World War Two. You want to go for three? You know, let's see what happens. I guess. Um, so yeah, so Ricky's like, "Oh, I'll get you tickets for the play," and Larry's like, "Oh, fuck!" Like obviously, Larry has no interest. Like he's like, "Now I have to like make an excuse. I have to go back to like see Tesla in LA today, so I can't go." Um, he's like that close to that. Um, but so, like, Av, we we talked about how much would you have to be paid to go watch like a terrible movie in theaters last week? Remember? Yeah, yeah. This is this sounds. I would this you would have to pay me. I was in when I was in college, I was in this like uh, freshman seminar and we had to go see a play in Brooklyn on a Sunday afternoon. It was a football Sunday. So first of all, I was missing football. That was number one. But number two, it was like four hours long. and was deathly boring. But then number three, and this was like the weirdest part of all the, the, the seats by design in like this small weird ass theater we were in weren't like comfortable theater seats. They were like incredibly uncomfortable, like like very high bar stools with nothing to put nowhere to put your arms. And you couldn't sit there comfortably for more than like 20 minutes. And it was like, I think it was by design. So you're as comfortable as possible so that you can't fall asleep during this god awful show. And it was like it was one of the worst four hour periods in my life. So uh, Mr. Simington, maybe not that bad, but seems pretty terrible. Yeah, um, I would I would not be I'm, I'm with Larry. I want to get out of seeing this play. Um, yeah. But yeah, so like he makes up a whole, like, you know, oh, well, Donna's not available. And, you know, Ricky Gervais, you know, kind of just keeps pushing him. Well, you just come, you know, just come alone. It's fine. It's only three and a half hours. Yeah. Um, so Larry, like, feels compelled to agree. Yeah. Um, and then Larry's like, you know, now that I've now doing like the second, like, annoying favor for you. Um, by the way, did you enjoy the wine from the other day? Mm-hmm. 
And uh, Ricky's like, yeah, I did. And Larry says, I was like, you know, I'm glad you did. You know, it was $300. So I'm glad that you enjoyed it. Um, and Ricky's like, oh, well, I didn't. I honestly, I had no idea. You know, I didn't look at the price. You know, it's a gift. It's a gift. Like, whatever. I don't, it's, you know, it's a gift. By the way, so what, what are we meant to think was the Larry Ricky relationship before this episode? Um, yeah, that was one that of my they, questions. That they'd yeah. never met. I think it was that they'd never met. So they've never met. So Larry sends a bottle of wine, sort of like, you know, comedian celebrity to comedian celebrity. I um, think on behalf of Jeff, because Jeff's like, I want to sign trying it. To, oh, okay. Oh, I and see. And Larry's like, yeah, Jeff. I'll send oh, a little bottle over there. Okay. And that, that leads to a big question I had later that I think the answer is he's doing it for Jeff. Mm. Okay. I guess. Yeah. Um, I mean, even at this dinner party, like when I, the first time you're watching, you're like, what the hell? Why is Ricky Gervais at Susie's dinner party? And then you realize, <laughs> oh, no, she's just hosting the whole cast of Mr. Symington and their spouses, uh, except Ricky. Ricky doesn't have a partner, so he doesn't have to be separated, I guess. Um, so 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 my question was going to be, why is it Larry that's sending it and not Jeff? Um, and it sounds like maybe Dan is saying that, like, that's more of like a like a baller move to have, like, the celebrity that you're with. Bob. Oh, I see. So, Jeff, yeah, like, yeah, look Jeff at this amazing off. celebrity. Yeah. Yeah. Look at this amazing celebrity I rep who just bought you a bottle of wine. I could also rep you and you could also be amazing like him. And then is you, the, you know, that was for, my thought. People you hate. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so do we think this is a foisting situation where Larry's mm -hmm. looking to dump Jeff, who's obviously a horrible agent? Odds are Ricky. <laughs> yeah. Maybe, uh, maybe, uh, yeah. Leon taught him about foisting right before he got on the plane to go to uh, New York. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so so I guess, right. So, like, what, what realistically could have happened here is that, like, he's like, oh, Mr. David would like to buy you a bottle of wine. And he would say, like, oh, what do you recommend? And he would say, though, Merlot. And he says, fine, that. And, like, he didn't know that it was $300. Like, it's possible. Oh, so so you're blaming Dan, the waiter. Or just, like, not even blaming anyone. Just oh, like I thought it's clearly Ricky, because even, like, Dan says to, to Larry, he's like, yeah, he picked a very nice bottle, the most expensive bottle. And it's almost like... I don't know if, if Dan picked that. I'm not sure if he'd be volunteering that to Larry that way. No, um, I think I think Ricky picked it. Ricky yeah. probably went, oh, what's your most expensive bottle? <laughs> yeah, because it's kind of it's kind of real life, Ricky, to be it's like, oh, you're going to yeah. buy me. Then I'll take the most expensive one. <laughs> yeah. And then he'd laugh at you and go, now you learned your lesson. Yeah. Yeah. That's my guess. Um, I mean, we don't yeah, know. I think I think that's right. I think that's what. Yeah, happened. I think I, I think I've told you, Alex, maybe it was on this podcast or another that like Frank, I was went to the Frank Lloyd Wright Museum and they had a like a presentation there about how like he would like borrow money from people and then like yeah. not pay them back on principle. Yeah. Because like he's his philosophy was like, if you're stupid enough to lend me money, like you don't deserve to get paid back. <laughs> So it sounds like Ricky Gervais is like, OK, like if you're going to like say, oh, here, order whatever you want. Yeah, I'm going to teach you a lesson. Mm. Like I'm going to order the most expensive bottle and fuck you. Like don't <laughs> offer people to order whatever they want. Never Not do a nice thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Larry <laughs> tries to be nice in this episode. Yeah. Um, uh, so, yeah. So Larry's like, you know, like some people might say that you took advantage of the situation. And Ricky's like, oh, who are like some people? Who are these people? Like, what? What some people? And Larry, you know, he doesn't want to say, oh, me. Um, he's but he suggests. I think it's that, pretty like, under. It's understood. Yeah, if you conducted a survey and uh, <laughs> described the details in the scenario to your focus group, uh, they might conclude that you took advantage. <laughs> um, okay, so yeah, so the uh, the dinner party is uh, going to be underway. Susie calls everyone over to the table there's place cards on the table find your name wow. find your place. i've done something a little interesting and different donna you're over there next to ricky i've separated the couples 
Excellent. I thought it'd be kind of fun. Well, yeah. What are you talking about separating I separated Why? the couples. What's the point of that? Meet new people. I don't want to meet mingle. new people. I don't want to mingle. Well, you're going to have to what? because you're sitting down there next to Hank. Well, I, I have to Just sit next to some stranger do for three it. hours? Just this is ridiculous. go. Ridiculous. Okay. All right, everyone. Bon appetit. It looks amazing. Doesn't it? Cheers. Thank you to our first dinner party. Cheers. 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 First of many. We're just here for the summer. We're subletting. Yeah, how's it going? Hey. <clears throat> oh, you're married to the actress, right? I am. I am the uh, husband of the Brit. Hank. Yeah, well, hi, Larry. Hey, Larry. Uh, I don't know why they had to separate the couples. I mean, I, that's ridiculous. You know, totally ridiculous. <laughs> Turned out to be a dwarf with good skin, so he wasn't a pedophile at all. <laughs> oh, my God. That's true. You know, when I first saw you, I, uh, I guessed you for a Spaniard. <laughs> I'm glad you're not Spanish. I'm glad. <laughs> not a fan of the Spanish. Well, why is that? <laughs> it's a personal thing. I, I got picked on a lot by some kids. By Spaniards? <laughs> yeah. Well, they spoke Spanish. Oh, they're not from Spain. I don't know where they were from. <laughs> Well, we, oh my God! I'm sorry. Oh, what is that? I've shattered your bread. Sorry. What is that? It's not my I, bread. Larry it's, brought it. it oh, wow. It's hard. Huh? Wow. It's supposed to be hard. Not this hard. Yes. You know what? You don't know anything about bread. I How know about that. We all meant to be able to eat it. Yeah. At least. Right. It's supposed to be toasted. Okay. <laughs> toasted with some butter and maybe a little garlic. You know what? Talk to your friends and neighbors down at that end of the table. Annoying everybody. <laughs> Susie's Susie's Danny Morris in this episode. Uh, <laughs> yes. I don't even know how to write cursive yes, anymore. We'll have to get to that. I don't know how to write cursive anymore. Yeah. Yeah. What is that about? Chris Parnell about, is really. Uh, I think going from small talk to minuscule talk. Um, My guess is yeah. Parnell was allowed to improvise both of those bits about yeah. the Spaniard oh, the and Spaniard. the cursive. They're like just just any small talk, just. Just start small talk and Larry will go with you. That's my guess. I know nothing, but yeah, that um, yeah, that whole thing is just with the Spaniards. I love his wording. I told you we're a Spaniard. I don't know. I don't know where they're from. They spoke Spanish. Whatever. Um, okay, so let's uh, yeah, let's get back to that. Latinx is the preferred term, Mister Parnell. Not not Spaniard. Yeah, yeah. Preferred by like four percent. It's a number of years. Yeah, I was, I was, years ago. I was gonna say, yeah, yeah, that's like two percent of people. Yeah, and most of them are white. <laughs> um, so how's your marriage? What the hell? <laughs> why, why would you ask me that? I'm trying to elevate small talk to medium. Oh, legend. Hey, that's another show. Yeah. All right, Alex. Um. I have to say, you, I, you, you chose that as the opening line of our uh, podcast for the very first episode. That yeah. line, I, I like uh, to turn small talk into medium talk. Yeah, um, that, that is what we do on this podcast. Yeah, we turn um, a half hour episode into like two hours of uh, random uh, meandering. <laughs> yeah, so I just, you know, I wanted to, uh, you know, if you want, if you had anything you wanted to say about that one specific line, you know, you, I, you, I never asked you before, like, oh, why did you choose that? You know, there's oh, many lines just because I, 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 I often do this and my wife is horrified. And it's like, what are the consequences? The, the consequences, our conversation was slightly more interesting and then we and with somebody who wanted to be boring so we don't have to talk to them anymore. Fine. Oh, wow. We're not going to be friends with them because they're boring. Like, like, it's an easy way to weed out people you don't want to be friends with anyway, is my opinion. 
Right. Well, there, might, there, might, there might be friends that your wife wants to be friends with that, that uh, you're going to weed out for yourself. Well, so she can be friends with the boring people. I don't care. I'm not I'm not I'm not governing who she's friends with. Yeah. It, it happens to be that we don't have a lot of correlation of spouses. Like, yeah, that's, like that tracks in our neighborhood, um, like like there's couples we're friends with. But very clearly, we both acknowledge that we only like either him or her. Like there's there's no couples where we like I would not none. That's not fair. There's some, All right. So if but, you're uh, if you're a friend of Alex who uh, lives in Englewood <laughs> and you're listening to this podcast, know that either Alex doesn't like you or Jen doesn't like your wife. <laughs> FYI, not everybody, but except for one, of... except there's one. There's one exception. So yeah, maybe it's maybe that's you. Yeah, you're, you're the but, exception, but statistically unlikely. <laughs> I don't know how many of my neighbors are listening to this, but <laughs> yeah, probably very few. Hopefully not too many after that one. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, so, um, yes, we elevate, we elevate small talk to medium talk. Um, so yeah, we continue along with this conversation and the talk will go to at least medium, I would say. Yeah, this is medium. Well, um, it's all right. It's it's fine. It's okay. How often do you have sex? (laughs) Almost never. Hmm. Is that enough? You know what? This is not fair what's going on here. This is not fair. Oh, you're saying you're separating the couples? You're not separating. We're the host. Oh, you're those. You fixed this whole thing, okay? You fixed it all so you can be at the cool table. You got Ricky Gervais. You got Ali, you got your Broadway stars. Go back and sit down. What are you in third grade? Excuse me, Susie, where's the toilet? Oh Oh, oh my gosh. Oh, sorry. Ricky, please. Is he drunk there? Uh, uh, No, he trips on his shoelaces. Oh. Oh, does he? It's it's okay. I'm good for it. Hank, what happened? It's very expensive. What a douche. That's exactly how Larry fell into the guy on the plane. What? On the plane, he tripped over his shoelaces. Larry, is that true? Now, here's a question I have. Yeah. Larry should explode on Susie. Uh, what are you talking about? Where Larry you lies shit all the yeah, fucking exactly. time. Larry lies all the time. Why doesn't he go, what? No. <laughs> what does she know? How would I? What? That's absurd. That's ridiculous. Yeah. It, 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 there really is lie. no way for her to know. I, I think it's absurd. He could have easily denied it there. He, yeah. He, I no also reason. don't. I don't really understand like why she te- like she says it so casually. Like, she doesn't say it in a way that like she thinks that she's like outing him. She's just like saying like, "Oh, that's funny." Like that's also what happened yeah. with Larry. Like and, yeah. she doesn't like she doesn't and the, seem the look like she gave Larry was yeah. And the look she gave Larry in the scene on the airplane was, "Oh, I know what you're doing here." Right, and we saw yeah. earlier in the episode when they were in the restaurant, Jeff and La- tells Larry like a good thing that like we're the only ones who know, yeah. and like Larry doesn't say, "Oh, also Susie knows." Like he knows that Susie knows. Well, so, yeah, you said when you were describing the scene that that she knows and he knows she knows. I didn't get that impression. I got the impression that he was sort of worried or suspicious, but not necessarily. Yeah, I did. I got I got the impression that she goes, oh, you tripped over your fucking shoelaces. And he goes, oh, God, I hope she doesn't know. Like he might. But there's also the level that maybe Jeff told her because we've had this before in this show where Jeff tells her something and Larry's like, why the fuck would you tell her that? Yeah, right. And especially if it's a situation here where she already suspects it, 
And like for the yeah. like there, she like or she already knows the information. She's so she browbeat it out of Jeff, you think? Yeah, she's like, oh, Larry did it really. And like yeah. at first, he'd be like, no, what are you talking about? And then like within five minutes, he's like telling oh. her the whole story. See, I yeah. think if Jeff is someone who's usually good at withholding things from Susie, because we know that he's got all kinds of lies that he hides from her about his own life. But I guess he throws Larry under the bus. I think he's very sure, good. When until he like he's uh, yeah, until like he's actually caught red handed. And then like, I think he yeah. Yeah, gives up the good said, quick. If she said, did Larry really save that guy or did he trip over his shoelaces? He'd go, what? Shoelace? What? I didn't. <laughs> well, that yeah. really is. A great all right. Jeff yes. That would be it. That he, I think he would out him. We I think the have... big thing is it's like in this moment they go, yeah, it'd be funny if she outs him at the dinner table, <laughs> you know, and that's it. And it's like, oh, so he gets to be screwed with everyone watching and he loses the girl all in one fell swoop. Yeah, we should have Dan back as uh, as Jeff Garland another time. Just pretend that he's. Yeah, just no. Vi- I don't have my video on. Yeah, I'll just turn my video off and <laughs> pretend to be Jeff. Exactly. Yeah, I think we can pull that off. Yeah. Um, okay. So we head to the show. Um, we're going to see Mr. Symington, Larry, Jeff, and Susie. They're waiting in line at box office, you know, pick up their will call. And, you know, Susie's like giving Larry advice. You know, you should really be more honest with women. Show them who you really are. And Larry says, that's exactly what I did. I showed her that I'm a phony fraud and a prevaricator. And that's honest <laughs> to show them what I really am. Um, and, you know, he's like, you know, Donna's has lost all respect for me, you know, and, you know, it's really completely your fault. You know, your whole stupid thing with separating the couples. Um, yeah. Which, by the way, like complete dick move by Susie. Like she knew exactly what she was doing. Like, yeah, as you said, we had we had a, 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 a administrator in high school who would like separate the buses on a class trip into the, like the kids that he thought were cool and the kids that he thought were not cool. And like so like he could just like hang out with as an adult. Kids. Yeah. Yeah. It was very it was all. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, hopefully he's not listening. If he is, well, he's probably not going to listen anymore. He's probably not listening to our podcast. That would be wild. I couldn't kill us one way or the other. Yeah, yeah, it's all good. Um, yeah, I maintain it was a weird thing. Um, so, yeah, so, you know, Donna's lost all respect for me. You know, your whole thing with separating the couples, this like weird power move that you did. Um, you know, as soon as he's like, shut, you know, shut up, you know, my party, my rules, follow the rules. And Larry's like, fine, so then don't invite me again. And she's like, you know, we I would, but like we have no choice. Like you're like an appendage to us. Like you just like go along with us, uh, which seems accurate. We've pointed <laughs> out like there's a couple of times in the, over the course of the season where we're like, why is Larry just like hanging out in Jeff's house now? He's bored. You yeah, know, I was saying, it's, it's like, yeah, no, it makes sense. Like he's just like always like kind of just like tagging along with them these days. It feels like. Um, <laughs> So, yeah, so Larry, um, you know, they get, he gets up to the booth and, well, yep, there's a ticket for him. Uh, but, you know, he's surprised when the woman says, sir, that'll be $200. It's insane. Yeah. It's insane. Uh, he very obviously assumed that this was like, you know, I'm getting you. I'm giving you a ticket. Uh, please come to my show, uh, which sounds terrible. Um, and, you know, Susie's like, no, shut up, pay, uh, which I guess like you do have to do in that situation at that. Point. Oh, God, no. That's my no? question. Yeah. No, I go. Home. Why the fuck? I guess it depends go, who it is. Right. I would go. Oh, I have to. I have to pay for this. If right. I'm going to see Springsteen, I'd go. All right, that's, you know, fair. Oh, you know. Right. And if it's something you would want on, to see. Right. I don't mean Springsteen on Broadway. I mean, like Springsteen <laughs> in concert. And not that I wouldn't want to anyway. But the point is, if someone says, hey, I got you a ticket and I go up there and it's 200 bucks and it's not something that I'm dying to see. Right. Fucking. Thanks for nothing. Yeah. I mean, I hate to sound like such a prick, but in this episode, I just kept going, Larry's getting fucked here. Yeah, this Larry. Is bullshit. Yeah. So is Larry yeah. just doing it for Jeff? I mean, yeah, because that's is my thing is, did he just do it for Jeff? Because if, if Jeff goes backstage with just Susie afterwards, now the conversation turns to where's your where's your friend? Where's your bald friend? 
Where's your, where's yeah. your, your pain in the ass friend? Yeah. Oh, he was here. He had to run out early. So then this, this really yeah. gets into like a dynamic that we've um, we've had a lot on this show. We're like, you know, if the relationship between Jeff and Larry is that of like Larry is like Jeff's like main client and like a lot of his business relies on like Larry then like Susie shouldn't be such an asshole to Larry, like especially in this situation, like he's trying to land this client. Larry's like taking all the bullets for you guys to like, you know, keep this relationship alive. You know, Susie might want to cut Larry a little slack, maybe cut him into the cool kids table, uh, make him feel, you know, wanted at this meal where like he's a, a key cog to make, you know, making Jeff land this awesome client. But I think Susie's made clear at this point, or Larry's made clear <laughs> that there's nothing Susie can do to, to push Larry away from Jeff. So. I, I guess, I guess, yeah. right. I guess, I guess they're all, you know, you know, moving along with the status quo, such yeah, as it is at a certain point. Yeah. But yeah, Susie should be more uh, self-aware to the actual situation of what's going on at the, these parties. Um, so, yeah. So, you know, we get in, we get inside to the theater. They're getting down for their, their uh, seats. Uh, Susie takes the aisle seats. Um, you know, as we discussed earlier, the middle seat uh, not being the best seats. Um, and Larry's like, no, like I have the ticket for aisle. And she's like, no, we have three tickets between the three of us. Like it's whatever, like it doesn't matter which order we sit in. Um, yeah, I'm definitely team Larry here. Um, especially when yep. the whole, like, you know, if, if it's like a married couple, like he's like, no, you, you know, you're best friends. Like you should sit together. That's bullshit. And not only that, Larry paid for his ticket. Did Jeff and Susie pay for their tickets or did they have tickets waiting for them? You know what um, I mean? Like, did they have free tickets and Larry paid for his? Because that's not said. Yeah. It's just, I have a ticket. Larry David, Ricky Gervais was going to leave it for me. Okay, that'll be $200. What the fuck? Right? Then he pays for it. And then they're at the seats. Yeah, I would guess that Jeff and Susie paid for their tickets. Um, because Maybe, like, yeah, it could be. Yeah. Yeah. The dynamic of the relationship is, doesn't seem such that like Ricky Gervais is like giving stuff to Jeff. Like Jeff is trying to court Ricky Gervais. Right. So like he's trying yeah, to like, but, I, mean, I, and- I will say that unless he gave away his house seats for the night, he's got them. You know, they always do every show. It's not right. a big deal. It's just a little thing that I thought, Oh fuck. Not only did he give Jeff and Susie tickets and make Larry pay for his, but he also forced Larry to come to the show. Basically <laughs> that was the way I read it. When I saw it. it was like, Oh, what a fuck. Yeah. So yeah, it's possible that he gave those to them for free. That would be, that would does be, make it, yeah. that makes it extra spiteful to Larry. No, those I'm, tickets I'm definitely are definitely in favor. Yeah. yeah. No, I, that's what I think for sure. You think so too. All right. All yeah. right. I could, I could go along with that. Um, so yeah. So Larry and Susie are still arguing and uh, the show's gone on already. Uh, and this yeah, is they, straight out of Seinfeld, obviously. Yeah. This is, yeah. This is the, yeah. the, the, Pez the Pez dispenser all, all over yeah. again. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like Larry even's like, oh, like now you want to sit, you know, you're OK with us sitting together. But like before, like I couldn't mm. be at the cool mm. kids table. Like now you're yeah. OK to sit with me. Um, yeah. So like they keep arguing. Jeff tells them to be quiet. Um, and yeah. And we're going to now uh, it's after the show. We're going to head backstage. And uh, Ricky Gervais is not happy with how the show went. Is he the Fucking idiots talking all the way through as well. Just like oh, you know, <laughs> really. In fact, I was able to overhear <laughs> the whole to do. He's was such about. a fucking yeah, idiot. Was a woman, and she took a seat that didn't belong to her, and she was a hideous, hideous-looking 
person. I don't think you got a good look, Larry. I I don't think you got got a good look. look. The woman was quite attractive, if I recall. Maybe on some bizarro planet. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Listen, you were great. Forget about them. You were great. No, honestly, that's the worst I've ever been. That was like, that was, at most, that was 9 out of 10. And usually I'm 10 (laughs) out of 10, if not more. That was a 9 out of 10? Yeah. Seems a bit high. (laughs) How much theater do you see? I saw Oklahoma. Frivolous nonsense for the... Oh, really? Moronic classes. Are you kidding? Oklahoma? Oh, what a beautiful morning. Oh, what a beautiful day. I've got a beautiful feeling. Everything's going my way. <laughs> Larry oh, loves man. those musicals. Oh, he You're does. comparing this, this thing we saw tonight to Rodgers and Hammerstein musical? With all due respect. This is about life and death and war. This is about the human spirit. Yeah. Poor it? Judd is dead. Poor Judd is dead. <laughs> Please. Bubblegum. How long you got to do this play for? The run's been extended, so um, another six weeks. Oh, it must be hard to do all that fake crime. No, they're real tears. And I, and those I, are real tears? Of course, real what? tears. Yeah. Seriously? Every, every night. Come on. Where do you think they come from? Tears where they came from. <laughs> well, you're not crying. There's no tears coming out. Come on. Would you just sneak in some of that? Glycerin? No, I'm saying if it means something to you, you can cry. You know what? I'm looking at your eyes, and I see no evidence at all that anybody was crying. (laughs) Usually when someone finishes crying, they wipe the evidence away that was ever a tear. (laughs) And did you wipe it away? Yes, I did. And the evidence for that is in the bin on a tissue. (laughs) That's a... Check it out, Columba. (laughs) All right. We can get going. Can we keep going? Okay. Oh, you know what? Uh, Go on. At the will call window, I picked up the ticket, and they charged me $200. You thought it'd be more? I thought I was under the impression that you, you were picking up the ticket. What, you were, given the fact that I bought you a bottle of wine for three hundred dollars. Right. No, it was a gift. The gift. The gift of wine. Thank you. <laughs> now, and I've given you the gift of art. Whether you give me a gift or I give you a gift, it costs me money. Okay. Okay. Well. Thanks thank for coming. Thank you for a meaningful evening. Cheers. Thank you. That did not go well for Jeff. <laughs> Uh-huh. No, that doesn't do well currying favor with the uh, new client. It never makes sense to me why Jeff always thinks, oh, I got to bring Larry to meet these clients. He does it all the time, right? We'll see it in, in a later season um, with um, uh, with Clive Owen as well. Yeah, his presence in that restaurant is only going yeah. to hurt your chances yes. of landing the clients. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I love what the, I mean, the whole like, oh, I saw her and she was a very unattractive woman. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, like oh yeah, just give as much detail as possible. I don't think you got a good look. <laughs> yeah, I love that fight. Uh, the bizarre plan, and again, we're doing uh some Seinfeld shtick here. Um, yeah, I love the when the, the the look on Ricky's face when he says, "Oh, you thought it would be more than two hundred dollars?" Yeah. Um. Uh, so yeah, so they uh we see them head out. They head into the stairwell, and um they bump into uh Chris Parnell, uh, Hank. Uh, his wife, uh, sorry, they see his wife now. Um, I don't recall her name. Um, and she's, Annie. you know, Annie, there you go. Um, and, you know, Larry starts, you know, complimenting her on, you know, how good she was in the play. But like, she's like, cuts Larry off. She's not interested. Like, she's livid at Larry. Like, what were you doing talking to my husband about like such personal details of our marriage the other night? What was that about? And Larry explains, I was merely trying to elevate small talk to medium talk. It's no big deal. Um, and like, again, she's like, what are you talking about? Like my marriage is none of your business. Um, it's perfectly fine by the way. And you should know I fuck my husband four to five times a week. Yeah. So now we have have very conflicting stories. Yes. (laughs) 
Um, from I, never I, to four to five yeah, times a week. Yeah, that's a very wide range. Yeah. Four to five so times a week would be very impressive, I think. Yeah. So someone is lying by a lot. Yes. I think we know uh, who the liar is. Yeah. I assume the woman is lying. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because you think women always lie. <laughs> no, I mean, I guess like, I mean, I like, I guess that character was like pretty broken down and morose, but it's like, I still feel like a guy who's having sex four to five times a week is not saying, oh, I never have sex. Like, he, yeah. he's like, he appreciates that that's a good If amount. you're having sex with, with, with a woman <laughs> who looks like that four to five times a week, yeah. You're uh... like, you might otherwise have problems in your life, but like, I don't think you're complaining that like not enough sex is one of them. Like, yeah. He should be like more like at least like neutral right. on that subject. Mm. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Um, so yeah. Okay. So we're going to head back to Larry's hotel. Um, we got, I think, one more clip. Uh, I think it's the last one. Uh, I guess we'll find out. Yeah, it's the last one. Thank you very much for coming back. I'm I'm this close to signing him. This close. I think one more interaction, I'm good to go. Really? So why the fuck I is Larry here then? Makes <laughs> no clue that it was us making the commotion oh at God. the theater last Could night. Could you imagine? You gentlemen decided. <laughs> uh oh, he's back. Hello. How'd you get this section? I thought you were down there. Well, I'll be covering this section today, unless, of course, you want to have <laughs> You know, I'm sorry I got, up, got the food the other it's day. It's all right. Water under the bridge. Yeah, Th that would make me happy. Of course. There you go. What can I do for you today? I'm going with the bison burger. I'll get the chops out with the avocado. OK. Thank you, gentlemen. Thank you. Where did he come from? Scared the shit Just out of me. Just materializes. <laughs> At very private moments. Yes. There's Hank. Hey, Hank. Hey, Hank. Come here for a second. There's only one restaurant hey, in New York City. Hey. Everyone knows. <laughs> well, this is in the hey. hotel, so if they're all, maybe really they're all staying in the same hotel. Wait, which hotel? What are you talking about? Hey, listen. No, Koi's in the hotel. Should... This is next door oh. to the theater where Symington's being filmed. Oh, yeah, yeah, you're right, you're right. Yeah. I mean, it's actually downtown, but but they're saying it's next door. Okay, uh, you're right. me 500. So my suggestion is, why don't you just give me the 500 and everybody will be even? Hey, there he is, Ricky. Oh, jeez. I owe you $500. Larry says you owe him $500, so he wants me to give the $500 to him directly. Is that cool? <laughs> no good? Not really. Never mind that. No. Just give me the $500. He's, Nothing to do with him. I'm just going to give them. Well, uh, he bought a bottle of wine for $300. No, you bought me a bottle of wine. And I got you into the theater. And I paid $200 for his ticket yeah, uh, that I really didn't so want to go to the play in the first really place. Yeah, thank you. Don't worry about it. I know what's going on. What? I know it was you two idiots whispering oh, uh, all the way through my show last night. Well, what are you talking about? Where did you get that from? The waiter. The waiter? And you. I wouldn't let you represent me now. Forget it. Look at you there. Two idiots. Just like Laura and Hardy. Donna was right. Isn't that a compliment? What did you say? Nothing. You've been talking to Donna? No. No, you just said Donna was right. <laughs> yeah, she is. So you've been talking to Donna? No. Have you been seeing Donna? No. Huh. Are you sure? <laughs> it's the greatest, it's the greatest running gag on curb. <laughs> yeah, the I think it's stare great. down. Yeah. Alex, can we get an update on the counts? Yeah, so this really is gonna... the first time since season six that Larry initiates an eye stare. In season six, episode three, he wow. does it with Davide. 
Because last season we did have two of them, but they were both initiated by the other person. Mr. Takahashi did it to Larry and right. then Jerry did it to Larry. Right. So Larry hasn't been uh, the one to make the move in, uh, in right. two seasons. And yeah. Jerry, Jerry already also added on a, a knuckle to uh, yeah. to hit to the move. He added the look on like away, a little, come back. Yeah. Right. The Jerry, the Jerry, like look, yeah, yeah. bounce face. Um, there was something. There was something I wanted to add here, a little behind the scenes moment. Yeah, of, please. please. It, when I'm when I'm uh, talking to them, uh, I think it was the very last take that I did of that particular bit of dialogue, and uh, Alec Berg came over and said, "Hey, on this one, you know." When he says, I thought you were over there, you say, no, I'm covering here unless you want to take it. So it was like, that was a line that they came up with and came and gave to me. And I was like, fuck yeah, that's the, that's the topper. Cause it is, it's a great, yeah, it's a great button to my journey in this thing. So yeah, for what it's worth. Yeah. You're following Larry Oliver. I mean, but yeah, isn't there supposed to be some kind of uh, waiter patient or, or waiter restaurant <laughs> uh, guest confidentiality here? No, I think that's the whole point that Jeff says. Yeah, uh, that's the beginning, that these waiters, that's the perk, right? It's a benefit. Of I mean, the if job, you're at a celebrity get... restaurant like this one, I guess. But I, yeah, there's only one to, restaurant in New York. You got to so. eavesdrop on conversation between, you know, big shots and, you know, try to, uh, you know, play the game and work your way to mm -hmm. uh, greener pastures. And that's, who's, that's a who's being a prick to you and who's being nice to you? You know, yeah. one guy is is grabbing his own food. Trying to take your job. And the other guy is uh, making you laugh. <laughs> so... <laughs> I mean, I think I think it's like, yeah, I'll tell Ricky Gervais this thing because this guy's a jerk to me. Do we, he's, do he's we not, think Ricky gave you but, a big tip or did he give you a signed copy of extras? <laughs> maybe, maybe or, or a signed to copy of extras. He gave right. Yeah, two hundred dollars. I'll leave, I'll leave to, some tickets for you to Simington. Yeah. Um, great. I'll bring my mom. <laughs> um, OK, so yeah, let's uh, let's go ahead on the scene. I'm really up to that bison burger. Good choice. Mm. Hey, there's our food. <laughs> he doesn't even hesitate this time. Um, at that point, there's yeah. no reason. Yeah, but also it's like, um, you know, taking the, like, if I'm the waiter and they're like, oh, you guys want to get your own food? Like, I'm cool with that. Like, yeah, I'll, you have more time to hang out with uh, Yeah, I'll, I'll stay over at Ricky Gervais' table. You'll do my work for me. I'm like, that's totally cool. He might get in trouble. Uh, though, well, here's, I don't really... here's the thing. Here's the thing that doesn't appear in the episode. Uh, uh, there was a third scene, scene that I did. Mm, I had did a deleted scene and it was, I don't know if we're going to, if we're going to continue forward, I can talk about it when we get to the subway. Uh, okay. So yeah, let's get to the subway. Okay. So let's do that. Um, so yeah. So we, um, we go, you know, Larry is coming out of the bakery and he sees Donna and Ricky walking together um, in the subway station. You know, all this because of, you know, Susie's uh, seating at the dinner party the other night. This, you know, caused the, the death of Larry's relationship with Donna. And like, she's uh, now uh, with Ricky Gervais, it seems. Um, so Larry, of course, uh, he spies on them and follows them across the street. And um, they're laughing and he continues following them. They go into the subway and Larry uh, no, so tells them. Yeah, the that's where, subway station me, you've ever seen. Yeah, well, let again. me stop you there. It was yeah. actually an active running subway station and people were going, hey, Larry David, <laughs> screaming at him, right? Uh, but this is where we had my third scene. They go down the stairs, he goes down the stairs and then he's standing at the uh, turnstile and he's fumbling with the giant bread and his thing trying to find his cart and I come up behind him and I go, what? Come on, man, can you just go? And he goes, can you wait? And I go, I am waiting. I'm the fucking waiter. And then we, you know, like have this argument about it there. And then 
he hops the turnstile and goes down to the thing. But that that third scene got cut. All right. right. So now we have uh, release the the Beckendale cult. We should get that trending. That's it. We want we want the full version. I want the fucking uncut clear clear. (laughs) That was my first scene, too. That was the first one I shot. So I was freaking out. It was hot as shit. And I was freaking out like, holy shit, it's just me and Larry in this scene. You know, because they shot Gervais and uh, and Donna out. They had already gone. And then it was it was me and Larry alone doing this scene. Awesome. Yeah. Oh, that's too bad. That didn't get in. That sounds fun. Yeah. Um, it was the third. It was the third beat of. Right. I'm of waiting. That, of, of that story. Yeah. Line, right. Of that bit. That joke. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, now now that you like pointed out, like the ending does feel a bit abrupt for Curb. Like there doesn't really have that like. As you said, that third beat of it. That you yeah, there was that like third beat, but I think because that's kind of like the C story in this whole thing. Yeah, the A, the A story is going to take that. I, I get it. You know, I mean, I was heartbroken to see it because there was some funny banter between us at the turnstile. But yeah, I guess right. If they're if they have to choose, they're going to go for Act Three of Larry with Ricky Gervais over. Oh yeah, <laughs> Larry with the waiter. <laughs> the, the rest yes, of absolutely. <laughs> I've learned that much. Yeah, that sounds right. Um, So, yeah, so Larry, uh, Larry sees that uh, a mugger is going over to uh, to mug them, presumably. Um, And Larry notes to, you know, he looks down, he sees that he has his uh, very hard Italian bread in his hands and he sneaks up behind the mugger and attacks him, starts hitting him with the bread, tells him to get the hell out of here. He goes, he picks over the purse and sees that there's a five hundred dollars that has fallen out. And he gives it to Ricky Gervais and says, all right, we're even right. (laughs) And uh, as Larry walks out, like he's now like the hero again, except this time he's actually the hero. Uh, he actually, you know, was brave and, you know, did the right thing. Um, and he, you know, he exits the train, you know, as a, to a hero, con- a hero, conquering hero, only to discover that his extra long shoelaces have been got uh, got caught in the uh, the train door as it closed. And and he loses a leg. Yeah. I yeah. mean, is Larry. So did Larry he lost die? a fucking leg? I don't he know. He lost I mean, a leg. Yeah, I don't see. So that's it. He just lost his leg. The rest of him is yeah. intact. All right. Yeah. That's going to be tough to watch in the next episode. Yeah. Now, <laughs> for a split second, it looks like we're going to get the very rare curb happy ending for Larry. Yeah. As, we were this yes. close. Yeah. Yes. And um, yeah, and then he walks off the train. And yeah, as you guys said, like, so, I mean, for the real answer is like the doors don't close on the subway. And also there's little rubber gaps. So something as small as a shoelace would just pull through. But but we're yeah. meant to believe, as you guys said, I guess that like. Larry gets slammed into the wall at the end of the station and then has his foot <laughs> or he loses off. his shoe or he loses or he's, his shoe, or he's you know? dead. Like he yeah. could be easily yeah. be dead. Yeah. Like he could pulled out the tracks. Yeah. He's walking around New York with one shoe and a very hard <laughs> loaf of bread. Yeah, the very shoe he was there. To, yeah. And so, uh, in a couple yeah. episodes, we, we will encounter a one armed man. So Ooh, Larry in this situation would have been a one legged man. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so maybe they would have been, um, instead of being rivals, they would have been more uh, had more empathy for each other if Perhaps. Larry had had walked in his shoes. Yeah. Um. So, yeah. So Larry, uh, he walks out. All right. We said this already. I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm spacing out. OK. Yeah. Um. OK. So quite an ending uh, yeah, pouring out yeah. for Larry David, uh, the recently departed. And apparently uh, the rest of the season, we have to have a new cast because uh, the, the main character has uh, been killed off in the subway station, much yes. like. <laughs> maybe maybe um maybe kevin spacey was there and he shoved him into the uh in front of a moving train because we've right. uh, Could seen be. that happen in the subway yeah, station this before. is like a uh a game of thrones like ending like uh yeah. character a main character shockingly gets alive off. or dead <laughs> yeah who knows yeah tune in next week um, tune in next week to see if larry escapes the sea train <laughs>
so um Av, l- let's start with you uh what's your rating for this episode all right. My rating for this episode, um, it got a little bit interesting. I was um, I watched this episode a couple of times over the course of the show of this week, past week, uh, you know, Pratt reviewing for the show. And the first time I watched it, I was not super high on it. Um, I was much higher the second time. Um, I think the the Ricky Gervais stuff grows on you. Um, and as we were going through the episode now, I liked it even more. So like I was like down in like two to two and a half territory and uh, over the course of a second viewing and then like a third run through today. I'm now all the way up to a three and a 3.5. Uh, pretty, 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 pretty good. Uh, three and a half pretties out of five. Um, I think it ends up as an above average episode. There are definitely problems with the episode, um, many of which we covered. Um, but I think the episode still just like works very well. There's a, enough funny bits and it's like really structurally sound. with just like the, the beginning, middle and end, like the shoelaces, how the, everything like kind of comes back. Um, so I think it redeems itself enough to be like a, a solid above be like a B plus above average episode mm. i'll note episode ninja ranks this as the number seven curb episode ever wow so okay. yeah that's, they're, that's they're because very, of ricky yeah they're very very high on it um to me it's a weird episode like to me it's like it has so many great parts and i'm just not sure if they add up all together so you know like i'm just i found myself a little distracted by being annoyed by the story but like so larry is the accidental hero i love that larry picking up don on the plane you get the seinfeld vibes from the airport you know uh, with Jerry, with, with the model. Um, Dan is the douchebag waiter. Uh, you know, the snitch is great. Uh, Ricky Gervais, you know, he, do, he does just does a really good job. So like all of these individual parts, I really, really like. But then the story, it just I don't know. To me, there was there was too many missing plots. And also it's weird because I thought I'd be excited to be in New York. But all of a sudden I'm missing. I'm like, you know, where's Leon? Where's Richard? Where's Ted? Like, you know, uh, where's where's the funk man? Like I, I sort of I, I miss all those characters um, a little bit also. So for that reason, I uh I have it uh, right in the meaty part of the curve. I say it's a uh, pretty, pretty good for me. And uh, is that uh, that's what? two for me. That's a two. Yeah. Um, so it's interesting on the, on the New York thing. I think what I discovered over the course of, of watching was that, oh, like these New York episodes, like they're like all getting like a minimum, like three pretties for me, just because like I just like love like Larry in New York. Um, you know, hey, he's just, in like, the this- place where I am. Well, and just like the place where Seinfeld was, and like they're doing yeah. like Seinfeld shit, like that. I just you know I eat that stuff up, so mm. it's uh, it's gonna be hard for me to ignore that stuff, um, even if the episodes aren't like otherwise the best. That's gonna like always give it a bump for me. All right, Dan, uh, how do you rate the episode from uh, from one to five pretties? Well, it's t- it's tough to say because I lost money making this episode of television <laughs> because I flew myself yeah, out there. It's and the most put expensive myself episode occurred for you. But while I was there, my agent was sitting in a show at the UCB next to a guy that directs a bunch of stuff for ESPN. And he said, Dan Bacadol's in town. And the guy goes, great, I'd love to use him. So I stayed extra time and they paid for my return trip and my hotel. Oh. So... I made money because I got, anyway, the, the, the connections on this one, and this is when my career kind of took off after doing curb. So for that, for that, that's personal, but that's personal. I think you got to give it a full episode level. I will tell you that my wife and I today watching it went, well, that's not a very good episode. (laughs) Uh, Honest to God. And, and I, as much as I love the stuff Ricky did, and as much as I love Pernell, I think he's so underrated on that. And on a lot of things he does parnell rather um i still think it's like a it's a one and a half man it's like a oh wow good (laughs) i got i i really i I really respect this because every guest we've had has given it the full five 
And they're like, hey, I was Ugh. on the show. What do you expect me to say? And that's Gross. totally fine, by the way. Totally. I, I would do the same thing. I can but, promise you that if you were talking to Larry or Jeff or Elsie yeah. or, 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 or Alec Berg or any of these guys, they would say, well, I don't know how they would feel about this episode, but there are some episodes they would go, that's a, that's a steaming pile of shit to them. Well, it just didn't work. By the and I think it's a, curb. it's like a the worst episode of Curb. Right. Is still great. Like, you know, yeah, absolutely. Unless you're talking about the Seinfeld finale, if that might get a rise out of someone. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but I think that like when the real finale was when that old lady brained him with the hard bread and killed Jerry Seinfeld. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I think that, you know, being honest, I look at it and go, they had a lot of parts they wanted to get in here. We want the shoelace thing. We want the waiting bit. That's funny. We want him fighting with it. And then there's the angle with Parnell. And I think there were too many pieces. Plus, it's New York. I'm back in New York. Yeah, and they right. jammed it all in there. And I think it should have been it should have been separated a little more. It's not like like when you were talking about the deli and the, and the pal- was it the Palestinian deli and the, and the Palestinian check it. Yeah. Holy shit, man. I mean, like that is like standout yeah. top three episodes of all television ever. Yeah. And and this is like if I was on an airplane and this was the only episode of Curb, <laughs> I'd watch it, you know, <laughs> and not because I'm in it, but because, yeah, I'll watch that. But I'd rather watch an episode of Veep or Seinfeld. Dan, maybe you should have offered to fuck the Jew out of Larry and then you would have uh, got a better tip. <laughs> ah, damn. Wouldn't work as well. <laughs> With uh, with uh, I'm also a Minnesotan, so uh, so uh, a blonde-headed uh, Scandinavian or blue-eyed Scandinavian that doesn't go so well. Yeah, yeah, Dan, you'll be you'll be uh, you may be pleased or displeased to know that that uh, Palestinian chicken is the uh, the number two ranked episode in our of Curb in our podcast. All right, what's the number rankings. one? Do we know yet, or should we? The not num- say? Well, we're going in order, so the number one so far is the table read from uh, season seven, oh, episode yeah. nine. Which oh, be yeah. one, it's one yeah. of those uh, one of the last two Seinfeld episodes where they really do yeah. the, the re And so the, yeah, so those are our two favorites so far. That's like you know a combined uh, yeah guest host listener score. Yeah. Um, okay. So it's okay. So we have. Well, I'm a, sorry, uh, I, bur- I broke the curve there. No, it's all good. We like, you know, we like getting a uh, diversity of opinion. I, I like the honest take. It's it's so much yeah, more refreshing. for sure. That is yeah. refreshing. Yeah. Um, okay. So yeah. So we have a uh, one and a half. Some of the guests Dan. have tried to shame me when I haven't given them five stars. They've like yelled at me. So I would love to know who. <laughs> <laughs> well, you have to listen to the podcast. I'll have to go listen. Yeah. yeah. Uh, is this the third time that we've been in New York on the show? um so episode well, zero they go to new york right that's what i was gonna say at first and then opening night they go to new york is there anything right. else nothing that comes to mind right away was it, was it all one episode opening night like he doesn't go the episode before i think it was, i think it was an hour long episode wasn't it you could be right it sounds or, right okay. or maybe 45 um, minutes it was like a long yeah, nothing nothing else comes to mind so that i could think of yeah i mean he's flown around like california palm springs things like that but yeah i don't think he's gone all the way to uh to new york yet Oh, no, he was right. in New York when he's filming the Scorsese scene. Oh, yes, yes, yes. I was yeah. thinking that as you as you asked. Okay. I forgot about that. Yes. Yeah. Yes, so that, so this is the fourth time we've been to New York. I yeah. Think. Yeah. All right. And we're going to be here for a while. So uh, dig in. Yeah. Well, until the mayor throws him out. <laughs> All right. Av, um, who is your come with guy? Um, yeah, I'm going to do something, you know, a little bit different than what I usually do. I'm going with, uh, despite, you know, what he, the way he behaves, I'm still going with Ricky Gervais as the come with guy, just cause like, it's just like so fun having him in the episode. Um, he's a humongous asshole, but like, he just like goes like 
head to head, you know, head to head with Lowry, like one up, one ups, one up, uh, one upping each other. Um, although it's really more Ricky Gervais is bullying Larry, but um, seeing Larry just like taking advantage of is funny to see sometimes. So I'm going with uh, Ricky Gervais as the come with guy. He, uh, I think he dominates the episode. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to argue. He's such a douche, but, you know, very entertaining and doing it. So at the end of the episode, he loses, right? Like, I hope, you know, I, I, I assume Donna dumps him, but then Larry loses more, of course, because he, he dies in the subway. But like, I mean, he, he looks like a real loser in that scene. He's like, oh, I was about to do that. I mean, Donna has to dump him right there, right? Uh, yeah, I yeah. would think so. He's you can see through the door that he's going <laughs> and stamping his feet on the ground. Yeah. And then when Larry yeah. comes in, he goes, oh, yeah, I was just about to do that. Yeah. 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 I mean, if yeah, if you if you if you care about, you know, big uh, masculine uh, shows as we as we've clearly seen, she does, you know, yeah, he's out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, uh, who Dan, who's your come with guy in the episode or gal? Well, I mean, you're right. It's, it's hard to not pick Ricky, but I also think Ricky had the easier job than the guy that played the waiter. No, yeah. then, <laughs> then, then Parnell, I think Parnell had this really nice understated yeah. performance in the thing that as an actor, I look at it and I go, fuck, that's hard to do to play so that when they call him over in that last scene, he goes, like a kid yeah. getting called over to mom yeah. and dad, you know, and so and I'm telling you, I'm almost positive that stuff at the dinner table about the Spaniard was <laughs> improvised. And to me, that was the smartest thing in the whole show. Fair. And so now that's why I give it to Parnell. I took you for a Spaniard, by the way, um, Parnell, you know, you know <laughs> Parnell accuses Larry of or I guess Larry's one who says I was elevating small talk to medium talk. Parnell starts every conversation with strangers by basically saying, I hope you're not Spanish because I hate Spanish people. I mean, that's a yes. talk right there off the bat. If you that's, think about it. that's yeah, I would say so. It's a little riskier than asking someone how much they have sex with their wife. Yeah, I think um, so. All right, let's jump to the, the fucking asshole. We do have a lot of candidates here. Uh, Susie is a snitch. Uh, you know, Dan, the waiter is a snitch, you know, <laughs> totally breaching that, uh, you know, as I said, the waiter customer confidentiality. Uh, Hank almost deserves the award just for, you know, how successfully, uh, you know, uh, boring he is that he sort of, uh, you know, chases Larry away. And then, but also he, uh, but in his weird hatred of the, of the Spaniard, as we said, but to me, it has to be Gervais. Um, I mean, he's just, and I've never done this before in in all, uh, what was it, 76 episodes we've done on this, on this podcast have. I'm giving the same person both awards here today, but I mean, he is such a fucking asshole. Like even in that moment of humility at the end of the episode, like, you know, does he thank Larry? No, just the utter dickishness comes through. And yeah, I got to I got to tip my hat to the real life Ricky Gervais because this is a kind of, uh, you know, a very, uh, a very thinly veiled uh, <laughs> fictional version of himself. And, you know, but but he's uh, he's got enough of a sense of humor, I guess, to say, yeah, I'm a prick. Who cares? Um, so, yeah, I. Uh, for the first time ever, I'm giving both both fucking asshole and come with guy to the same person. Hello. Oh, is it on me? Sorry, I oh. took off my headphones for Sorry. a second. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Um, yeah. Um, so I'm going to say that the uh, I think the fucking asshole this week uh, has got to be Dan. It's got to be Dan the waiter. <laughs> um, you know, not only because of the snitching, like I could kind of get over the snitching, but like the, like he sticks him with the three hundred dollar bottle. I think, you know, that's my take on the situation. Like he he's the one that like foisted that bottle on. He knew he was steering it in that direction. Um, but worst of all, and like as someone who doesn't like to work hard, like this is a man who was doing your job for you. 
And this is like, you should have nothing but thanks for this man. He's doing your work. You get to sit over there and chill with Ricky Gervais. And he's like, oh, don't worry. I'm going to get on my own food. Yeah. Like, you should, that's you a good, should be, yeah, thank you. that is a very, very good. Don't point. even bother to leave a tip because I perform no services for you. You have to get your own food. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So I say, uh, I'm going to with the waiter, the fucking asshole waiter this week. Um, yeah. So, Dan, what do you say? I am going to say something awfully uh, unpopular at this time. I give it to Donna. Hmm. she'll dump okay. she'll dump a guy because yeah. he's not a fucking hero she's only interested in him because he is a, a hero that's yeah. an asshole yeah. she's yeah. a fucking asshole what an <laughs> asshole and you know from the look on her face that that's the end of ricky too yeah well he at the end it. of the episode yeah, for sure. yeah. and it, yeah but but still it's like what an asshole they're both lucky to be away from her she mm. did a great job so i gave it to her <laughs> yeah i was like considering um everything we know about larry if what she most seeks in a man is like you know big strong you know like toxic masculinity like this this larry david relationship is not going to go very far anyway so like yeah. we may as well yeah. you know just like let's get on with it mm. um yeah i'm uh, i'm on board with that yeah all right, um, let's um, let, let's talk about some of that. We got a whole bunch of celebrity cameos in this episode. We have, of course, Chris Parnell, Dan Bacchanal, Samantha Mathis playing characters, but we have Ricky playing himself. The last person to play themselves, we have to go all the way back to Christian Slater, the last uh, you know newcomer, obviously. Like there's people playing themselves every week, but uh, the, the, so it's been quite a while since we've had uh, somebody play themselves. This is the first person this season to make their debut on the show, but we're going to New York City. And uh, we have to imagine that we'll be seeing some other people playing themselves uh, in New York in the next couple of weeks as well. Um, and uh, Samantha Mathis once dated Christian Slater. So a small little world there. Um, Whoa. I, I heard uh, I heard he ate too much uh, at the buffet. So they uh, well, he's a pig with, with right with with, with the, Those caviar. the shrimp caviar. The caviar. Right? He's yeah. a pig with the caviar. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So she probably dumped him for that. Hopefully. <laughs> yeah, I would, would assume it's a horrible crime. Yeah, yeah it's a, I think. Did, did we call him worst person that week for that? That was pretty bad. Probably. Yeah, it's a very egregious offense. Yeah. Um, yeah, but um, yeah, so, but it is weird, though, I think. Like, oh, by the way, what I said is not entirely correct. In, ah. the, in the table read, <laughs> Estelle Harris plays herself for a moment uh-huh. as the actress who plays Estelle right. Costanza. Right. And then and, I don't know. If, I don't and think Banya. Really counts. And, and Banya we, also would be the same. And Wayne Knight. Yeah, I guess so. Um, I don't. But yeah, I don't. I don't know. I don't know. If Banya, All right. So I this is most, the first. No, first substance. People, I don't think most people. Most people see Banya and they say Banya. Right. They don't think of the actor's name. And even Wayne Knight. I think most people know him as Newman. I guess. But it was still obviously the actor was. The yeah, character yeah, but on I'm the saying, show. yeah. But they have to count. OK, but they have to count as like a, like a real celebrity. <laughs> it wasn't like it was actually bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but I mean, well, OK, I would say actually so Ben Affleck was in the episode before um, the table. Right, read, but it's right? it's inconclusive whether he's playing himself. Is we playing we himself? decided that he is, but we have no evidence. Yeah. So but again, but Christian Slater in season seven, episode four is the last bona fide celebrity. Uh, who play uh, themselves to play themselves. Yes. In a, yeah. like in a real role. Yes. Okay. Role. All right. Yeah. That's a, yeah. So, but now we're going to have a lot more of that coming up. I would. Yes. Yeah. All right. Is it time for the postman? Um, yes, it is time to head over to the postman. Um, Dan. So postman is we answer some, uh, read some emails from listeners. Um, we right. would, uh, we would love to have you stick around for that for a little bit longer, but if you're, uh, if you want to head out, we would, uh, we would understand that as well. So we will give you the opportunity. Hey, I'll, I'll, so. I'll hang for a few. Yeah, okay. we're, we're pushing right. uh, two hours on this. We're going to have a, a very long episode here this week. Um, yeah, so yeah, um, I'm having a good time. Yeah. 
Um, so just, yeah, but actually before we head into the postman, I just had a couple like more like uh, a couple notes from the news, just like uh, more details on that. Uh, green Blatt's from the news. Green, the green Blatt, yeah, we should make that its own segment. Uh, the Green Blatt's Deli. Um, it is, uh, it's been around for 95 years in West Hollywood. Um, this just happened. This just happened like three days ago. Yeah. Um, yeah, we just had Palestinian yeah. chicken three weeks ago. So yeah, this mm-hmm. is very, uh, very timely. Um, that's probably why it shut down because the, the response to the episode was overwhelming. <laughs> um, yeah, I think so. <laughs> and they said, you know, they're, uh, they're trying to, they want to close gracefully before the Jewish, ho- the, the Jewish holidays coming up in September, October, because uh, it gets too busy and like, they just want to close down um, if they're going to close. So uh, I think they're still trying to sell it, but uh, nothing yet. So, um, so if anyone yeah. wants to buy a, uh, an old failing deli in, in Hollywood, <laughs> yeah, it has a lot of potential yes. to play up the whole curb angle. Um, yeah. Oh, also, that's what also, I would do. Yeah. Also, we got uh, we got a little bit more to the story of Larry David being uh, uninvited from the Obama birthday party in a in a an ongoing story. Oh. Um, Dan, were you uninvited also? <laughs> to which party? So uh, Barack Obama um, had the birthday party, and then because of COVID, he was sort of shamed by Fox News. He had to uninvite Larry and, and David Letterman and the whole. And me and I've also got uninvited. Unfortunately, we, we were not on the final guest list. <laughs> no, but I have been uninvited to a certain star's premiere party one time. Their assistant Ooh. called me and said, "We'd like to have you at the party." I was like, "Great, my wife and I'll be there." And then the next day, I got a call going, "I'm really sorry." it's for regular cast only. I shouldn't have done that. And I was like, that's weird. I said, okay, thanks. And I thought that's really fucking, you just bite that bullet and go, shit. We accidentally invited some people that right. should like, invited. Right. Yeah. And like, we like, Holy we'll, shit. we'll make sure not to have them on the list next time. But like, you don't like call right. my wife. My wife never forgave that. Yeah. That's yeah. no, I mean that, that is really terrible. Like sometimes like college is like accidentally accept people. And it's like, all right, at that point, you've made your bet. Like, it's not going to kill you as a school. Yeah. Let a couple people yeah. in for four years, let alone someone come to a party for an hour. The awkward, sit- but I guess this person has somebody else doing their dirty work for them. So. But what if they don't meet yes. the standards of the university? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, but all that person's doing is if you ever meet, if you ever run into them, then it's super awkward. So, yeah, that's not worth it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so anyway, so um, he was uh, there was a story in The New York Times following up with Larry David about the situation. He said that he was actually very relieved mm. to not be invited anymore uh, because initially when he got called, he felt very um, nervous that he was going to have to like perform at the party. Oh. Um, so like when they called him back, he was like, OK, good. Like I have that off my off my chest now. Mm. Um, just like Costanza never had an appointment where he wanted the other guy to show up. Yeah. 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 Like he said, like the, the, the person on the phone, like thought he was insane. That like presumably like, everybody else who got this phone call was devastated that like they thought oh, they Obama also has his minions make the calls. What a dick. <laughs> oh, yeah. Pick up oh, the phone sure. yourself. A call and apologize to all your guests. Of course. Right. So, right. So everyone else who she called that day was like, fuck you. Like, that's bullshit. Like, devastated. Yeah. And Larry David's like, amazing. I don't have to go to this stupid party. Yeah. Yep. Um, I mean, do you think there was all kinds of like, uh, you know, publicists working in the background trying to get their their people reinvited? And that's kind of funny, actually. Imagine I would imagine. Yeah, yeah, I would for have... sure. Yeah. yeah. Straight out. For that's sure. straight out. And of what me, about by the way? Selena invites what about people the to party room? and has not invite them. Absolutely. What about the war room meeting of who are we going to cut and who are we going to keep? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's probably going to have a meeting of like, well, who are we going to keep? Well, we got to keep my mom. Yeah. Well, I mean, obviously your mom's going to be there and, and, and well, the kids friends, fuck the kids friends have to be shit. Okay. Yeah. Well, you know, (laughs) yeah. But we got, of course the whole thing's absurd because obviously a hundred percent of those people are fully vaccinated and very safe and, but whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Um, All right. Um, So let's jump into the mailbag now. 
Um, yeah, but first, actually, yeah. uh, we have another uh, we another have a, another Apple review, mm. um, which comes from Scott Zerner, Scooter BXSCI on Apple Podcasts, who writes uh, great research, terrific insight. Five stars. You see, that's the right amount of stars. He says, I look forward to the deep dive into each episode. Of course, the show is in anyone's Mount Rushmore of all time, top quality shows. And Av and Alex meet the challenge of commentary and insight into the particular episode, as well as the show as an entity. Keep up the pretty, 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 pretty great work. Ooh. Scott Zerner, a little twist at the end there. Mm. He thought I was going to say good. He wrote great in capital, Whoa. capital G, capital R, capital E, capital A, capital T. All right, great work. Um, it's like so, it's yeah. Jerry with the knuckle. Or putty. Yeah, so um, as always, we encourage everyone to do the same. Uh, Head over to Apple and review and rate us and subscribe to us on whatever podcast feed you choose. Um, Supposedly, if I say this every episode, it'll make you do that. I guess. I don't know. Uh, But, you know, you're supposed to. So, yeah. So let's head to the actual postman. Um, Postman! Postman! Come here! Tell the neighborhood! What a shanda, Larry! Uh, uh, Larry David! You're you're a lousy Jew! But you're a lousy human being! He screws the wife of a man in a wheelchair! Ashanda! Maybe you should have given me some candy! You're a lousy Jew! And the first email is from Michael J. Clark, who says... Ricky Gervais is a great foil for Larry. This episode really leaning into the heightened pretentious caricature. I'm on LD side when it comes to the bread, a fresh baguette or Italian loaf really elevates the party uh, from small party to medium party. He didn't write that. Uh, Susie was at her most infuriating here, telling everyone about the shoelace trip, separating dinner party couples, demanding the aisle seat and not sitting with Jeff. Just wish Parnell had a media role. Uh, For the come with guy, he goes with Larry. And for the fucking asshole, he says it could easily be Ricky Gervais or the waiter, but I have to give it to Susie. And he gives the episode four out of five. Pretty good. Wow. So Mike is uh, into this episode. Yeah. Um, we next go to Joshua Schmitz, who says, hello, gentlemen. Nice episode with a welcome change in venue from L.A., although it continues the theme of there only being one restaurant in a city. Of course. Also, the rare continuation of the storyline from the previous episode in the beginning with the Pinkberry was a nice touch. Mm. Ricky Gervais playing the swarmy height. Now, hold on. But let's let's think about this Pinkberry for a second. So presumably there's one in the terminal, right? But the minimal amount of time between when Larry bought it and when he's sitting on the plane minimum is like 10, 15 minutes. So that stuff is very soggy by that point. <laughs> He's got to be really committed to the to the uh, pink berry. And let's not forget, point. it's pink berry in the first place. So yeah. it's fucking disgusting. <laughs> well, uh, Oscar the dog didn't agree with you. <laughs> yeah, he he ordered that as his last meal. Coconut. Ooh. Maybe have you ever tried the coconut flavor pink berry? No, it sounds I horrible. I, I only had the tart, which is fucking terrible. Yeah, no, it's not that good. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't like that. Like not sweet, delicious yogurt. I like yogurt that's more like ice cream. Mm, yes, that's what it's supposed to be. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. So he sorry, says, I, I interrupted the Josh. Josh's email. Josh, you said yeah. Yeah. yeah, he says Ricky Gervais playing the swarmy heightened version of himself was fantastic. Uh, come with guy. He says Jeff. And for the fucking asshole. Uh, so I guess he, he asked, I guess, doesn't agree with the take of Larry's doing all this for Jeff because he's kind of seeing it as reversed. That like Jeff is like saving Larry. Mm. Uh, I, I guess that's, that's well, it's Larry's show. But yeah. Yeah. OK. Fucking asshole. He goes for the waiter in the restaurant. Dan, another vote for you uh, for hey. his, constant, his constant eavesdropping. What an ass. And he gives the episode three and a half pretties out of five. So Josh is with me on that score. 
We next go over to Jim Crumley, who says the hero is an average episode about 90% of the way through, but then ends spectacularly four and a four pretties out of five. Wow. For the come with guy, he goes for the baker. That is some good bread. Not many food items are so versatile. Uh, <laughs> baker, wow. I like that. <laughs> Going off the grid. Nice pull. I like it. Yeah. Baker's a good choice. Uh, for the fucking asshole, he goes for Ricky Gervais. He's hard to beat when he is anything as a character, as himself, or somewhere between like here. Mm. All right. Next from out of from Crumley, we go, of course, into Jared Jerome, who says, I hate to say it, but that's back to back bad episodes of Curb. Is this the beginning of the downfall of the show or just a bad two game stretch? Downfall? Yeah, let's uh, let's let's say, you know, not quite. Yeah, yeah. Let's well, get ahead that's a little over the top, I think. Yeah. Downfall yeah. of the show. Yes. Not not as perfect um at times um some funny moments a solid ending but there was just no there there a few weeks ago when discussing palestinian chicken a complaint of mine was that there were too many characters too many moving parts well this Wait, one, he complained about two... palestinian chicken also yeah he didn't like palestinian chicken well, okay, he was like so the only outlier disqualify himself <laughs> it's I mean, it's not, it is it is reasonable to, to disqualify him yeah. um how about we can we'll still read his emails but we won't count his stats yeah maybe we should, <laughs> we should do like a with karen without karen <laughs> Yeah, he, he's the vulture of this podcast. Asterisk. He is. He he's, does he he vultures. Asterisk. It's like yeah. five, 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 Mark, five. He's the Mark McGuire. Yeah. Um, so he said, um, we'll, we'll get juicing coming up in a couple episodes. Yes. Yeah, so his, yeah. his complaint there was too many moving parts. His complaint here is too few. Listen, I need things in the Stevie Corrin sweet spot. What can I tell you? This entire episode was basically built around Larry and Gervais bickering. And while some of it was well done, it was just too much of the same note. We get it. They hate each other and are either accidentally or purposely screwing each other time and time again. Um, he has a uh, sports analysis on the plane in the opening scene. I did not even notice this at all. Uh, Susie is reading the New York Post and the front page says K-Rod attacks wife's dad. In 2008, the Mets followed their epic 2007 collapse of a seven-game division lead with 17 games to go, with another collapse of a four-game lead with 12 to go, almost entirely on the back of an aberrant bull abhorrent bullpen which basically couldn't close a game out. So the big offseason acquisition going into 2009 was Francisco Rodriguez coming off his record-breaking 62-save season with the Angels. Shockingly, things didn't go as planned, and the Mets dealt with a never-ending slew of injuries in the inaugural year in their new ballpark as K-Rod was okay, but not what they hoped for. Then on August 12, 2010, the, inc the incident that Susie is no doubt transfixed on essentially marked the end of his reign as the Mets' closer, and the team wouldn't compete again until 2015. Listen, if there is going to be an inkling of sports coverage in the show, it's going to get the full treatment here uh yeah that's very thorough he got that all from the new york post cover yeah he gave us the whole story that's pretty good stuff yeah. um speaking of things that get the full treatment here are the seinfeld connections larry and Susie ruined the gervais play just like uh the pez dispenser with the lane at the recital the waiter who only comps food to others but doesn't actually deliver food is reminds me of the siddler where did where did he Sidler. show up from yeah, Sidler, yeah. sorry yeah um gotta get that waiter some tic tacs um, Larry channels his inner George when he goes against the grain and brings bread to a dinner party instead of wine while George suggested ring things and Pepsi over cake and wine in the dinner party. Um, okay, on to Jared's awards. Jared says, for the come with guy, for both individual awards this week, there just aren't that many people to choose from. Where the hell is Leon? Can I get a smattering of funk? Hell, I'll take neighbor Dean at this point. The weeks come with guy, the weeks come with guy goes to Jeff, who as usual is right on, right on, right in on Larry's hero lie and is somehow able to keep his 
Deadpool when those behemoths were going at it at the show, but at the <laughs> restaurant doesn't even show anger toward Larry for a second when he directly costs him a chance to have Gervais as his client. His only other clients, Jeff's one client, as we know, it is a guy who doesn't do anything other than get into arguments with people over inane things, plays a lot of golf and goes to restaurants to eat three times a day, mostly with Kev. Um, and he stays loyal to him no matter what. That's the come with guy. <laughs> right. And f- for his asshole of the week, he says the woman coach passenger was pretty brutal. Oh, that's true. We, none of us chose her. She's she's a pretty good yeah. choice. Uh, yeah. Basically being a socio sociopath, Karen, who butts into Larry's business that makes a false correlation between using the first class bathroom and the coach bathroom. And then actually like even more of an infant when Larry uh, is in their ensuing baby off. Having said that, I'm giving asshole of the week to Ricky, to Ricky Gervais, who starts off somewhat sympathetic as he deals with Larry's shenanigans, but the tables of blame slowly but surely turn as he doesn't show any appreciation for a $300 unwarranted wine gift. Coerces Larry to see his stupid three and a half hour play, expecting him to pay $200 more. And finally, he steals Larry, a hero digger girlfriend, before losing her for acting like a wimp while being mugged. Gervais not at his, at his Golden Globes Hollywood bashing best in this one. Finally, for his ranking, he says he's very disappointed in this one. Very one note with Larry and Gervais. No real funny characters of note. Not too many interlocking stories other than the hard bread coming into play at the end, which I did enjoy. Larry seems to be losing his way as I rank this episode 72nd out of 76 episodes so far. Oh, wow. For a pretty, pretty good score. That's one and a half pretties and three and a half. No pretties. Oh, so same as Dan. Same as Dan. Um, So, yes, I think we kind of we have, uh, you know, kind of a a similar breakdown over over the audience um and i boosted it half a pretty for larry's introduction of elevating small talk to medium talk without the pretty 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 good staple this baby would be stuck at one pretty come on boys let's get our act together we still got plenty of episodes to go all right uh next we go over we have three more we go to william blake who says hey alex and av my name is will and i'm coachy i'm with larry if you know the food is yours and you see the waiter ignoring it you gotta go for it what would WWSD, what would Sully do? Or is it WWRD? He brought a DVD of his own show as a gift and wore a white scarf and fixed that it was $500, pure power moves. Love the bread scene. The best part of the episode is when Ricky tries to grab the purse that Larry is handing back to Donna. Yeah. To come with Guy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to come with Guy is Larry. Our man is a hero for an episode, a true Sully. And also he said the line that starts your show. Mm. Fair enough. There you go. Uh, for the fucking asshole, he goes with Ricky. He is doing his best David Schwimmer and Ben still impressions and he gives the episode four and a half pretties out of five Gervais and David together is comedy gold we next go to Zach Brooks who says was it just me or was this episode a snooze really hard to get into a rhythm and didn't give much super interesting material I did love getting the PPPG intro sound drop and seeing Senator Furlong from Veep as a waiter the idea of eavesdropping Wait, Senator I thought you were just a congressman congressman Oh, yeah, Congressman. He's right. elevating fake, you here. Fake news. Fake news. Failed, Zach. failed gubernatorial candidate. Yeah, and also I want to be vice president. Was it the plan that uh, you'd be on the ticket, <laughs> and then four years later you'd be there? Oh yeah. 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 He fucked me. Yeah. 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 Um, the the the, uh, the Myers Furlong ticket would not have been uh, very popular. I don't think. Oh, <laughs> I think they would have lost to a, a Hillary Trump ticket. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Hillary Trump would be a bad ticket. Yes. Um, yeah, the idea of eavesdropping waivers is pretty well. I mean, it could have totally been like in a different world. Like, who the hell knows? Yeah. The idea of eavesdropping waiters is pretty interesting. Wish they did more with it. Um, I do agree with Larry's frustration about his show about his shoes coming untied all the time. I think he's right. Laces have gotten long and easier to come untied at the time when this episode came out. Seems like they're still not better. Um, that guy, yeah, I don't, wait I don't a minute, really that guy that. is either 
that guy's either five years old or 90. <laughs> oh man, my shoes keep getting untied. Um, yeah, I think he is between those ages, but I'm not sure. Yeah, I mean, uh, well, we know maybe. an adult man who uh, only wears, uh, who, who doesn't tie his shoes, right? So. Yeah, although I think he claims that he can do that. And that that's, uh, he claims he knows how to tie his shoes. He just, he just hasn't done it in he, many years. He chooses not to. He chooses not to tie. I get yeah. that's cool. Yeah. <laughs> listen, nobody has to tie their shoes anymore. It's yeah, listen, if somebody would, would tie my shoes for me, I would love them. Mm. That's all you need. A, a shoe tire and your life would be complete. Yeah, I'm not. If I when I like my body starts to go, I'm not going to have any pride. Like if people want to do things for me, I'm going to I'm going to say, sure, go. You want to push yeah. me to wheelchair places? Sounds great. What yeah. Velcro's for? Mm. Yeah. If someone wants if someone wants to now come like pick me up and take me places gladly, I would gladly accept it. Um, very, very Costanza of you. Yeah. And he uh, yeah, he takes uh, he gives the episode two pretties. Um, we next go to Olin Allen. Olin um, was on the uh, my old I think podcast. that was a perfect sausage fest this week. Uh, n- no female uh, letters read this week, unfortunately. Oh, yeah. Unfortunately. Um, yeah. So um, Olin was on this week. On where my, uh, where former... was Olivia Rose, our benefactor? <laughs> well, Moira Rose. Moira, Moira Rose. Moira Rose. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I just I just have a brand new uh, a niece named Olivia Rose. So oh, very um, nice. Yeah. Congratulations. Mazel Thank um, so, yeah, so Olin a cousin wants to move. My cousin <laughs> Olin, as I was uh, I was trying to say, Olin was yeah. on the uh, my former podcast, the movie ladder this past week. Uh, they did an episode on the big sleep. Um, it's really as you know, they've they've been uh, advertising a pretty, pretty, pretty good month. Um, I did Boogie Nights with them. Then you did the Big Lebowski. And now Olin, our uh, number one fan with the big sleep. Um, I don't think that their uh, next guest is a, a pretty, pretty, pretty good connection. So but that's still pretty good. Three out of three in a row. Um, we'll always have that. Um, so, yeah. So Olin Allen says a change in location and we are back on form. Larry and Susie seem refreshed at their new location and have some great interactions. The coachy girl argument was beautifully built up from some sort some some soft mutual understanding to childish in your face screaming match. Susie says that no one knows her menu and not to impose their stuff on her meal, but surely optimizing the wine bought should be done with knowledge of the menu and which wine goes best with what food. Also, don't think that the large outbreak of World War One, particularly Britain's involvement, was inevitable the day after France for an advanced assassination, <laughs> as Mr. Simington suggests. Um, yeah, I always, yeah, I always learned that, like, that the Franz Ferdinand thing is bullshit. That, like, yeah, it was just an excuse. Yeah, yeah, like it was, it was much more about. Like, yeah, the, the, it, it the was. They were looking for an excuse to, yeah, to start an imperial war, basically. Yeah, but I'm, does, I'm glad you brought it up because I thought it was the worst opening line of a play. Ever. Yeah, <laughs> it was. It was so, so explanatory. Clearly, yeah, it was so much like the the you know uh, Rochelle Rochelle young girl's erotic journey yeah. from Milan to Minsk, like just so purposely cheesy that they were going, this is how cheesy some of this shit is. I, I, I thought it was great. They were skewering. Them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and he gives the episode four and a half. Pretty. Wow. Olin oh, the, the highest on it of the week. He just sees um, another, um, you know, uh, resident of the British Isles. And yeah, like, I think that's all it takes. Right. When when, yeah. when, oh, when, Olin, when New York City does for me, a British uh, accent does for. Uh, yeah. for Although Olin. Olin is Irish, I think. So I, I would get. Yeah. Him. May not like the British. Same thing. Yeah. Be Same, careful. Yeah. Who knows? Yeah. yeah. I, I know. Yeah. It's like a Spaniard. <laughs> They're all yeah. the same, right? Like, yeah. I don't know where he's Ireland. I, yeah. What's the difference? I don't know where all it is from. Yeah. Um, Somewhere far away. For his uh for his come with guy, he says Larry, rightly the titular hero for showing up Ricky and saving his food at the restaurant. Uh for the fucking asshole of the week. Should it be the robber or the loud, selfish oaf on the plane? Um, nah, it has to be Ricky Gervais, even if I didn't find him anywhere near as annoying as I imagined, mainly because he never laughs, thankfully. 
Uh, selfish gifts at the party, hyping his awful play, misleading Larry to pay for the tickets, barely thanking for the wine. So cruel to poor Hank, terrible, boring, theatrical acting. His old time actor's reference was not particularly funny or insightful. And most of all, just being post office UK and XFM shows Ricky Gervais and that terrible sneery view on Oklahoma and Seinfeld versus the awful extra, which the only funny part was the broad sitcom within it. <laughs> would be on my worst asshole of all. But as stated, we did avoid his hideous, terrible, screeching laugh. Uh, so it sounds like Owen doesn't like Ricky Gervais's laugh. Not a huge fan, yeah. Not a huge fan of the laugh. He should re- instead, he should just say that's so funny. Yeah. So I guess it, it wasn't British Isle loyalty. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Okay, so that gives our total uh, average audience score a 3.33 from our five listener guests. And that makes it the 45th ranked episode uh, for the listeners. Uh, We combine that uh, one quarter each with the uh, listener score of 3.33 with my score of 3.5. That's how you do it. All the listeners get one vote together. I see you're cooking the books. Yeah, as long as everyone understands what the rules are. <laughs> um, sometimes you want you you uh, you attend an event and you think the rules are a certain way, and then you find out days later that the rules were working a different way. Mm, yep. Um, but uh, and, and the person from that story was a hideous looking person. Uh, I a, think you did not get a very good look. I thought he was very handsome. <laughs> and he was a dictator and he was bossing everyone around and everyone was very angry at him and yelling. Yeah, at he was not shy about dictating. He would wake up in the morning and. Uh, um, and he you was sir, saying, why am I always getting yelled at? Yeah. Um, okay. All so right. Yes, so what's our cumulative ranking? So the cumulative ranking between us, my 3.5, Alex is two, Dan's one and a half, and the listeners three and a third. We get a cumulative score of 2.58, making it the 63rd ranked episode. Um, so jumps a little bit ahead of the last couple episodes. But we have, uh, as Jared points out, we are on a little bit of a, of a, down, tr- a down track. I mean, you go through this season. We have uh, the divorce up at number 25. Very nice start. We drop down to the fifth to number 50 rank with the safe house, then Palestinian chicken, number two overall in our rankings. But then the last three episodes, a smiley face, valve science, and the hero, we have at 73, 70, 63. And this is out of uh, 77 episodes so far. So, yeah, we, we have three, uh, three in a row that, uh, you know, overall we weren't super high on. Well, um, I'll say this. Darkest before the dawn. Yeah, yeah I, I do think we are going to see a turnaround here. The final two episodes oh, yeah. of this season are both extremely high rated by like the various online rankers. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, next week we have the bisexual, by the way, interesting. It's, it's B I and dash sexual. It's like not one word. It's bisexual. I'm, I'm not sure what the, uh, is if, if that's intentional or just coincidental, but Larry and Rosie O'Donnell will fall for the same woman and try to outdo each other to win her affections. Every time Rosie comes on curb, it's always great. Always, uh, her, yep. her and Larry start wrestling at some point later. Larry learns about the Japanese art of saying, sorry. Uh, when he uh, has an interaction in a restaurant there, which uh, uh, also the title of this episode, um, as I said, I can't figure it out. What is the hyphen? Is 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 there like a pun here? Is it by hyphen sexual? Is there like a reference to next week's episode? I haven't seen it in quite a few years, I think. All so. Right, so we'll uh, yeah, we'll look out for that as we watch. Yeah. Or is it a typo? I don't know. But yeah, I'd say the real come with guy today is is Dan. Dan, uh, you've been with us through thick and thin. It's like two and a half hours now. Uh, I've had a lot of fun today talking about an episode. Uh, and also about uh, Veep and, and, and so much other stuff that you've done. So thank you so much for joining us. Uh, Absolutely. You're pretty, pretty, pretty good. And uh, thanks so much for joining us on Curb 10 years ago so that you could uh, be here today. Thank you, guys. Yeah, yeah, thank you man, so much, Dan. An any, yeah. Any uh, any last thing, anything you want to plug? I saw you have a you have a new show on uh, you play somebody, yeah, called, made, Herring, somebody called Herringbone. Yeah, That's a cool made name. Made for Love is a, is a new show. All the episodes are up on HBO Max. Uh, Kristen Milioti is out of this world. Fantastic in it. 
and Ray Romano uh, has um, an artificial love partner in it. So you got to see that. Mm. Yeah, I read the I read the premise today and I said, oh, that sounds cool. Um, it's and really I, fun. Yeah. And I added uh, I added on to my list of 700 shows that I have to watch. Yeah, so, yeah, um, yeah. so you're on the list now. Um, so, yes, uh, as Alex said, thank you so much for uh, for joining us. This was super fun. We had a great time. Um, oh, by the way, I see Kim Whitley, uh, who played Mo- Monina, is also in the in the show. She's great, too. Yeah. 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 Oh, wow. OK, so, yeah, let's uh, let's check out the show. Maybe we'll. Uh, yeah, we need we need to do a bunch of bonus episodes coming up. We realized so uh, maybe oh, we'll to, uh, to lead into season 11. <laughs> yeah, we have a yeah. we have a lot. Of, yeah. If anyone has any ideas for bonus episodes, you should there's a lot of overlap on these HBO shows. I, I watched a few episodes of Harley Quinn, like you told me to, because it has so many voice actors from uh, from Curb. Yeah. How do you like it? Uh, I mean, I thought it was very good and I'm not, you know, a superhero guy normally. I never. Yeah, it's really very, it's stuff, very, but it's very funny. It's very yeah, entertaining. It, it, it's, it's very funny, but I don't I don't understand the references. Like, I don't know who the characters are. I mean, I, I don't know who the right. superhero characters are, but it's still yeah, it's right. very good. Um, yeah. I'll probably end up watching all of it at some point. But yeah, there's a lot to do. Uh, Dan, uh, you are from Minnesota. Are you a Vikings fan? No, I'm a Dolphins fan. I grew up in Miami, yeah. so I, I was born, born in Minnesota. And Even with that Scandinavian name, I was going to say, but you, that's, that's a very Minnesota name you got. Do you want to do a 32 yeah. minute episode about the Dolphins where you might get bombed in the middle? <laughs> yeah, we're uh, absolutely always happy to talk about how horrible the Dolphins are probably going to be again. Mm. All right. Well, we will have to do that one another time because uh, it is late. But thank you so much for joining us, Dan. Uh, this was a blast. And uh, come back anytime, whether to talk about Curb. Thanks, or guys. Or, or Veep or whatever else it is. All right. Sounds good. Thanks. Thank guys. you. So, thank you so much, Dan. All right. Uh, I'm a little higher than Dan is on the Dolphins. I think the Dolphins this year will be. Uh... Pretty, 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 pretty. Pretty good. Hi, I'm Alexander Chester. And I want Rihanna to put a gun to my head while she makes me eat her out. But that's about as likely as your wife putting a baby in her pollen festival. Of- <laughs> Sorry, I can't even get to the line. <laughs> putting a baby in her pollen festival of a uterus. <laughs>